Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, and envies, and welcome to Warrior Desho's Stream of Thought, covering SSS Dinazen on episode 10 through 12. I'm Shadon, and joining me this week once again, uh, they've been here all the way through since the very start, returning guest, good friend of the pod, anime music aficionado, and all-around swell person, Mark! Hello! Good, so good to be back for the final round. One, one more time. One more one time, more absolutely. Time and... In the spirit of Dino Xenon, we thought, the show that is, we thought ourselves, you know what? We need more people for this. We need more people to adequately cover the glory that is the final couple of episodes of um, SSS Dino. Yeah, my, my sound just cut out for like 20 seconds, so uh, I assume that was my intro. Hi! Well, no, that's it. Uh, so we got another person go. in. And that was Alex, uh, who has been a guest on the pod many times before. Uh, noted uh, friend and scholar. Always uh, welcome to have you on here, mate. Uh, so thank you very much for joining us. But yeah, we thought, you know, we need another person. We've got to do, we've got to have a three-man show for this particular uh, block of episodes to give them the proper coverage they deserve. Because, oh boy, are these some now. episodes. Mm-hmm. We outnumber you now. We can take over the pod. Oh, no. I'm just going to, like, I mean, I know, I know my frames are currently uh, off on anyway on the, on the uh, stream, and I'm going to silently fix those while someone else is talking, pay no attention to that in a little bit, but I'm just going to have my camera gradually slide off to the left as I'm just being shoved out and just replaced. Um, unfortunately, we are once again not do- uh, joined by Doc this time around because he's still not uh, able to make the time to join the pod this moment due to work commitments, which is absolutely fine. Uh, we will have him back for the following season of anime when that comes around. Uh, but in the meantime, you've got us uh, free stooges to deal with, so we'll uh, we'll crack on and talk about this particular block of episodes. But firstly, of course, we need to just get some instructions out of the way in a little more detail here. Um, so, Mark, you, of course, have been on the pod a couple of times before covering Dinosaur. Can you just quickly shout yourself out and tell us uh, a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure, yeah. I, I run uh, Ono Anime, which is sort of a, a video and podcast uh, thing, website, multimedia uh, conglomerate. I don't, I don't know. It's just me. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's what I do. I like anime, and uh, I liked this anime a lot as you'll soon hear me talk about. Absolutely. Um, and Alex, of course, you're joining us for the first time to discuss Dino Xenon. Uh, you've been a recurring guest on many of our other pods in the past, of course. Um, so since you're joining us for the first time to talk about the show, um, would you just tell us a little bit about how you feel about it overall now that it's concluded? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, well... First of all, hi, I'm Alexander. Uh, I'm a cook, but I've also written some stuff about anime. Um, uh, on allthemediamatters.com. Anyway, um, I like this show a lot. I It doesn't have its... Um, it doesn't have a Kane from Goodman, so it doesn't have mm. the, uh, the hooks in me that the, um, the other show had. Um, but... Um, I think that the things it does well, it does very, very well, and the things that it does less well are mm, forgivable. So I was very happy with the show. Yeah, there is a very, there is a very brief Akade cameo, but it's a blink and you'll miss it thing in episode ten, uh, when Anti's having his uh, flashbacks to the days he was uh, a trash gremlin, uh, a living raccoon, just eating wherever he could find anywhere. Before he became the more refined, like uh, caliber-inspired uh, man that he is today, we've all been there. 
we, yeah. we 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 have we have you know um we've all escaped the trash bins in our lives um but yeah we're gonna go through the episodes and this being our stream of thought format we're gonna have a two minute summary of the plot we're gonna talk a little bit about creators which is normally doc's domain but there is one particular person who deserves extra special mention for this block of episodes or rather specifically episode 10 uh, because they in turn had actually worked on gridman episode 9 which in itself was the standout episode of that series so good for them to be after this but we'll get to that in a little bit we have uh, only a handful of patron questions this time around and then we're going to go into full-blown full fat talking points most of mine are about episode 10 as it turns out so no surprises there um and then we'll give our overall thoughts on the show and we'll have a bit of banter and a laugh on the way and for those of you watching this on video and wondering what earth this horrid concoction is yes this is rum you know <laughs> i'm just building more and more evidence for someone to strike you know to raise an intervention with me at some point just to say shad's Think of your liver. Oh, has, oh, is that why? Ah, I have a question. Has nobody done an intervention, or has the interventions just failed? It, it could very well be both. To the point where I haven't realized one's tried. Someone's tried to do one. Okay. Who knows? Maybe, maybe someone sent emails into the Warrior Death Show at Gmail um, address and gone, "Stop this man!" But um, Alex himself is cracking open a, a cold one there with the boys, um, pouring one out for our boy Galmer, as a matter of fact, because well. Rest in peace, Galma. Don't, don't pour know. one out. Pour one we in. Don't, we don't, don't waste booze. There we are don't... questions. There are questions at the end of this thing that I'm going to raise, but oh, uh, we'll I see. The... We'll get there. I see. It... It's, an, it's, it's an open case, not a shut one. So... That's what we call foreshadowing. I think. So. Oh boy. Well, we're looking forward to that then. So, um, I suppose we'll get started then with the two minute plot summary, and this is where I'm going to rely on one of you two to sign me, uh, because I got you. For, yep, Mark's got me covered. So I need to now give a two-minute plot synopsis of the three episodes. Um, just a little challenge to see if we can get the plot summary done as quickly as possible without also uh, going overboard and at the same time trying to, you know... Because it's funny. Because why not? Uh, I know poor Doc's had a, had a hell of a time with this in the past, whereas I've done reasonably okay. I don't know how that I pulled off during Wonder Egg Priority, but... Hey, I'll give it a go here now. I was going to ask Alex to do it, uh, but the moment I asked Alex to do it, uh, his video feed mysteriously and strangely seemed to just break up uh, like he was going through a tunnel. <laughs> do you have an explanation for this, Alex? Um, I mean, I stand by the uh, my statement that if you want to make me do it, I'll I'll do nah, it. The gods, you said it yourself, Offscast, the gods intervened. They said, you know, we're not having him do this. And I'm sure you'd have been perfectly fine here. I think it's more just to punish me, you know, for all the times I've made Doc do it um, and made him suffer. I know I made you do it last time, Mark, uh, for which I profusely apologize for, even if hey, it was amusing. I managed to finish with some time to spare, so I'm you, you did. You did do you, that. You, you did, to be fair. I'm pretty proud about that still. You, you should be. So, on that note, then, we might as well get this underway. So, Mark, if you can start the timer in three, two, one, Go. Okay, so in Dinosaur episode 10, they find a kaiju that bends space and time. It flushes the continuum down the toilet, sucks in all the kaiju eugenesis, um, and all of the people in the city start disappearing, all the buildings start vanishing, uh, various members of the Dinosaur on team are sucked in there as well. Um, Yamogi has to go in there through the throat, and through there he starts seeing the memories of all of the people uh, in his group. He sees uh, Minami's uh, memories, um, 
of her sister. He sees um, Koyomi's memories of like what happened to him in the past with the supervisor he knows at work. Galma's history is there when he was alive in 5,000 years ago. We learned the princess is not, as I possibly speculated, it was Akane. Anyway, point being, uh, through the power of friendship, through the power of making him realize that their, you know, memories are worth, uh, you know, using as a source of strength. Uh, Dina Zenon, um, you know, the team, uh, Anti, they all return safely. They form uh, Kaiser Grid Knight, which is still amazing, even the second time around. Uh, and they destroy, they destroy the kaiju. Uh, episode 11, everything seems to be over. It's like, you know, oh, well, no more kaiju. We're all done here. Famous last words. Didn't realize what's about to happen. Uh, everyone's starting to say their goodbyes. Looks like uh, Kiyomi's starting to look for a job. All that sort of stuff. Chisa can't quite handle going to school. Grid Knight's getting ready to leave. And then Suzumu turns up and is like, no, I'm going to cock block you two with respect to... Uh, Yamogi and Minami, and he turns into a giant. Um, he turns into a giant kaiju that they can't fight back against. Gridman's fighting him alone. Episode twelve. Gridman. Uh, sorry, Grid Knight. Rather, I mean to say. Uh, you know, gets it's shit kicks out of him. But everyone like comes together and they're like, no, we have to do this. By the way, Gamma is also dying at this point. He is flat out dying. Uh, they all power up together eventually through the power of teamwork and friendship and for the fact that they are stronger united than without and they overpower the kaiju genesis destroy them uh grid knight uh and solius and uh goldburn leave for another dimension Five, four, and three, everyone's like well two, let's move on also koyomi and hearing out together Woo! just about made it Woo! there you go thank you thank you i'm here all night because this is why you're tuning in for it sorry <laughs> <laughs> I probably glossed over a couple of things there, to be honest. But um, yeah, episode 10 in particular uh, has a lot of meat on it um, that we'll be going into fairly soon. Um, and episodes 11 and 12 like offer a pretty strong uh, finish otherwise. Um, I mean, the fact that they made the Kaiser Grid Knight uh, transformation not go stale and it's still just as awesome every single time they do it is a feat in itself. Because that's something you'd otherwise want to use for it. But that sounds awfully a lot like I'm getting to talking points at a time, which I really shouldn't be. So I'm going to now talk very quickly about creators. I'm going to rely on both of your assistance with this because this is not usually my area of expertise. Uh, but we need to uh, mention a very specific person who works on episode 10 of Dinozenon. Uh, and that person is Kai Karashi. Correct me if I'm wrong on the pronunciation there. I think I might have got it right. Bang on. Uh, oh. So, uh, bang on, you got it. Banger, cool. So, Kai Karashi um, is credited with a million and one things from what I understood from our earlier talk. Uh, I think, Mark, you actually list. Oh, sorry, it was Alex, actually. You missed off a couple of those. Could you let us know what Kai has been credited for in episode 10? Like, cause there's a long list here. Uh, well, I have the list in front of me if you want me to do it. Oh, go for it. Uh, yeah, go Mark was the one who did it. So, uh, storyboard, animation director, art design, key animation, mechanical animation director, and narrative assistance is the total that's a yeah that that's a lot of stuff and i'm i'm honestly surprised there wasn't something a little extra on top of there like you know made lunches for everyone but yeah um jokes aside kai um also did episode nine of gridman um the the dream one the really like standout episode for its direction storyboarding um although my understanding is that they were strictly just on the storyboarding element of the episode as opposed to doing all the other things that they were doing here they're um, the animation director, and they're also credited as setting assistant. Um, which what again, does that mean? One of those, it's another one of those positions that they essentially make up when somebody who doesn't normally do the job does the job, basically, like narrative assistants. Fair enough. Fair enough. 
Um, so yeah, Kai um, was responsible for that particular episode of Gridman in a big way, and similarly, part like contributed massively to Gridman episode. Sorry, Diner's End on episode ten, uh, which to me is the best episode of the show, uh, and it's pretty much damn near flawless in my opinion because uh, it delivers everything you want, as well as having some of his own cuts of animation in there as well, which are all spectacular. It's very rough that particular episode, very rough looking, but I think it's it works. Got a very specific visual style to it that's distinct from the rest of the show i think Mm. i said earlier that it's like the only episode of the show that looks noticeably different from the rest of them in terms of like a lot of the character designs being off model and stuff like that yeah you Uh, can tell immediately when the off-camera on the riverbank like he's got this weird looking like jawline to him everybody is going to compare it everybody anytime an anime does this everybody compares it to gurren in episode four but that is especially apt comparison here because it's like very noticeable and also very similar style so, uh the one yeah. uh, the one i always see is the naruto shippuden episode that everybody hated yeah I, well everybody also hated that gurren Logan episode even yeah. though they're all wrong at the they're time. cowards and wrong so, yeah of course yeah they are. they're they're 100 wrong so you you heard it here folks i mean i i admittedly haven't seen either of those two episodes i feel bad about the gurren Lagan one admittedly because that's gurren Lagan. i don't give a toss about the naruto shippenden one uh so i'm gonna say that's a one or two <laughs> failing on my part but anyway i'll get around to gurren Lagan eventually i assure you you should just like watch some youtube clips of naruto shippenden fights they're pretty sick yeah, it, uh, unfortunately, but you have to get through like 500 episodes to get to any of them. No, you don't. You can just watch a YouTube collection. It's fine. Well, there don't worry go. about it. That's that's the pro strat, is it? Like, you know, it's the way of speed running like to the good stuff. It's the cutscene skip of anime. Um, so, yeah, uh, shouts to Kai Karashi for doing an amazing job on episode 10. Um, absolute standout episode in terms of how it looks how it all comes together like on top of also just with i mean you mentioned about narrative uh was it support or assistant assistant uh, assistant um the script itself on that episode is also just absolutely rock solid uh it delivers really really well save for one small niggly little thing because that's the way i like to be you know i'm never 100 percent satisfied i'm too much like you know of an arsehole when it comes to that. So i'll talk about that later of course um but anyway uh, we'll leave the creators behind there because again it's not usually my forte and I actually did try looking up some creative stuff on my anime list and the episode section which I assume that would have been found was blank but yeah there that might be your first that might be your first problem <laughs> using, using my, my using anime my anime list, list for anything yeah. <laughs> yeah, true there is also that I used my anime list to find out about anime and it was the worst mistake of my life whoops <laughs> that's your novelty t-shirt design that you'll be selling on the oroe desho merch store three sold <laughs> <laughs> hey i'll take that given the numbers we usually pull in um but anyway we're gonna move on now to patron questions and so you might be thinking to yourself holy crap do these guys have a patron uh patron and i'm I meant that would be Yes, we do. So if you feel like contributing financially to my crippling alcohol addiction or rather to like, you know, the running costs of this particular show, uh, feel free to send over to patreon.com forward slash Roy Desho. Uh, we do a two, three or five dollar tier. Uh, this particular stream, as it's obviously if you're watching this live, is available to everyone. Um, but we only allow our patrons of any tier to ask questions about shows covered by the Stream of Thought series. So if you want to get in on that for the next time that we cover a show for that for the coming season, uh, get yourself signed up. We've got a lovely community of people um, who have wonderful like contributions on anime. I mean, this is like Alex and Mark are part of this as well, of course. Uh, so yeah, definitely do check it all out. Plenty of benefits to be had there. But we have our questions and we'll get to them now. 
So we have two of them, and both of them come from uh, Son of Rackham, who is a patron of ours. And the first one is this. Now that the show and all the characters' personal stories have come to a close, which character's story slash journey did you most relate to? And we'll go around in table for this one. I'm going to pass this over to Alex. Um, this, this one's a little hard, um, because I think one of the, like, really good thing, like, really incredible things that the, um, the 10th episode does is it makes you realize that all of the struggles are much more mundane than you, they've been built up to be. Mm. Um... Um, but, uh, both, um, Koyomi realizing that, like, most of his problems were mostly just in his own head, um, and, I know, it's hard to say, um, uh, it's hard to say that, like, uh, uh, it's a little bit of all of them, because that's a cop-out answer, but it's also true in this case. It's, so it's, a, f- it's a fair it. point. It's a fair point. There's a lot to um, like in all those characters. Um, yeah, no, um, because you have Yomi, um, who learns to be, learns that uh, being independent just for the sake of it is just kind of a dumbass move. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, that's, uh... Uh, nothing that I particularly like pointed to at the screen was like, damn, that's me. But there's um, there's really a lot that resonates in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you, Mark? Uh, weirdly enough, I I uh, don't. I I liked all these characters. I didn't really see a whole lot of myself in any of them. Um, but that's just you know personal experience. Um, I ended up uh at least um empathizing the most most in the end with chise which is mm. surprising because she is not a character says her I... bully yeah she is not a character that i uh, uh identified with or really thought a whole lot about through through the majority of the series but as they started opening up a lot of her story and um a lot of her you know personal feelings towards you know friendship and um you know, just sort of being, uh, you know, the, the, the struggles of a, of a preteen and introvert. I definitely, uh, get that, get that much, uh, mm. of it. And the, the, the sort of pain and anger that can come from, uh, just kind of not feeling like you really belong to anything, even when mm. you clearly do, um, in a certain sense, or, you know, feeling like you don't have anything meaningful to contribute. Like I definitely get that. So yeah, I think Chise definitely uh, ended up being the character that I, that I was rooting for the most in the end. Um, because, you know, I feel like she of all those characters has the most ahead of her um, in terms of uh, development. And it was just really good to see, um, you know, something come from it. And also it was in my notes um, but her saying goodbye to the gold to Goldburn in the end was the only moment in this series that made me like actually cry. That Aww. that really broke me. <laughs> I I I I can't do the old yeller shit, man. It's mm-hmm. too I it's too it's too much. And, it's it's uh, Ash releasing Butterfree all over again. Yeah, this it's like the, the classic like get out of here, you dumb animal. But like not at any facade of that. Just like 
being sad that a good friend is leaving and like also Goldburn really representing a lot of her development as a character. Um, uh, you know, essentially that phase of her life going away um, was sad. Yeah, it got me in a way that I was not expecting when I was watching that last episode. But I, I yeah, um, I mean, really I, me. I, gosh, who, who did I? I'm, I'm going to say Kyomi probably just because like, I think for a, a part of my adult life, like I was lingering on the feel like feelings or memories of like past events that, um, as Alex right out, like, you know, like they existed only in my own head. They weren't really there like to stop me from doing anything. They were just an internal weight rather than like something actively like getting in my way of like, you know, doing the things I wanted to do, being the person I wanted to be. Also, there was a part of my life when between university and where I am, uh, when I first was employed, where of course I was unemployed. And a big part of that, I think for me was like, you know, just not having any clue like where I was going to go next, um, that kind of thing. Um, so I think that there was a, a good bit of overlap between like some of my own experiences, at least uh, concept, like, you know, in the broad sense um, with Kyomi's. Um, and in the end, like, you know, uh, he also had a catastrophic haircut, much like I did. So there's that, I suppose. <laughs> I Can I point out very quickly, by the way, just a small thing that I love, how they just had it happen completely off screen and he just appears in the group. And I was like, what? <laughs> Uh, it, it took was me like gr- three seconds to figure it out it was the same I was guy. like, that's that's him? And he, indeed, uh, Ansi Gridnight has the most amazing line, which is, who are you again? <laughs> that was brilliant. It's valid. It's, it's not as good as him walking out of the phone booth and seeing he's only wearing one half of the suit, but it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that that's something. I mean, all the way to the end, this show continues to deliver on little comedy moments. I'm sure we'll talk about a bit more about those uh, later, but yeah, um, Kyomi um, definitely is the one for me. But I think that, like, as, as you rather point out, like, like, there's a lot to like about all the characters, and I think, like... I think people will find like maybe little bits of themselves and all of them to some extent or another, um, some to more degrees than others. But yeah, they all had like, I mean, you also mentioned Alex, like it was like the mundanity of like, you know, all of their stories. I think that, that, yeah. And the funny thing is like that mundane element is actually one of the things that makes them so relatable. Like they're not, you know, like burdened with, saving like uh, sorry like leading an army or something like an experience like that would be outside of like you know what was regular folk my experience like they've got like you know job stuff i've got like history of my family i've got like you know uh the fact that i don't do anything with my life i've got like being shunned from a public school like you know because i i'm an introverted teenager like you know doesn't necessarily fit the mold all that sort of stuff like the mundanity is a strength of that rather than it being like all the way out there was some like you know crazy circumstance that none of us would ever probably ex- experience in our lifetimes um it also it warms it warms my heart it does me such relief to hear you two having come around on chise after at least seven hours on record of you attacking chise uh, look i i I still I don't wonder. Know we, I think attacking is maybe the a little harsh. <laughs> um, I think it's just... uh, that woman is no good. She says she looks like trouble. Um, uh, things of that nature. Worse. I mean, her, I mean, her character design is still a tiny bit questionable, in my opinion. I think it's completely valid to have severe doubts about her entire relationship with Koyomi, which, by the way, was still never explained by the end of the series, and still bugs me. But they really. 
Oh, we lost Alex for a second, but it's yeah, fine. He was so shocked by that response; his, his yeah. camera failed. <laughs> they they were amazed at my words and deeds. Uh huh. Um. Oh no! You oh fucking hell! Jesus yeah. Christ! So we can start talking about conspiracies now about like you know how Kojima's like making other AAA games crap Please like no. that. Please no. Uh, you say that, but the Kaiju Eugenesis were ju- did just want Outer Heaven. Please no. <laughs> I went through about five different facial expressions there for people who might be listening to this audio only because the funny thing is like I can't immediately disagree with Alex there um, and on that note <laughs> we shall move on to our next question before before my brain explodes um, so the next question again from Rackham is which of the characters who debuted or de- debuted, uh, debuted debuted started King- I can't debuted. pronounce that debuted thank you uh, in this series, would you mo- most like to see reappear in future series in the Gridman, Dinazen, on like the SSS universe, like you know the Superaya trigger stuff? And who do you think would be most likely to reappear? Um, I'm going to seize the mic on this one, and it's my show, so you better damn well believe I will, uh, and say that Gauma. Like, I know that we said, like, that there was a big, like, hanging question mark over this, but whether or not, like, he actually is dead, like, whether or not he's actually, like, properly dead um or he's just like asleep in a coma he's disappeared whatever the circumstances might be that he's no longer around at the end of the show like i want to see him return i do want to see him come back because he was a great character and he was integral to that group and ultimately he you know he was willing to fight to the end for them like he i want to see him like you know get the chance to go off into the sunset and be happy like the rest of the characters did you know give it give him his final chance to have that happen Gamma um, went to that I'll, mech farm of state. <laughs> I'll go ahead and just bring up my theory uh, now, since we're talking about this exact thing. But so the last time in the last episode that we see Gamma is inside Dinozenon. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they bring that exact Dinozenon into computer world from, uh, you know, OG Gridman. Um, and the last thing that we see in the series is Dinazenon essentially like waking up and then looking directly into camera. So my idea is that is Galma now just Dinazenon? Are they one in the same? Uh, or is got, you know, is Galma still in there? Because it was, you know, it's it, my understanding that Dinazenon has to be like controlled by people. So maybe once it gets into computer world, Galma's in there and he's either controlling it or he is it. Uh, and that's how they bring him into the next series. Mm-hmm. Um, but to answer the initial question, yeah, I think the the most likely person that we'll see again is probably Gamma. I, I honestly, given how these last two series have worked out, um, think there's probably a really good chance that we don't see any of the characters from the previous two series, other than Anti and Anosilus, who seem to be sort of outside of this uh, sort of framework. Um I, yeah, I think Galma's probably the most likely, and yeah, I, I, I think I would agree with you, Shadon. I think I would, I would probably most likely see, like to see him again. Now, if they come along and say, "Hey, we're just gonna bring all the characters from SSS as Gridman and Dinazenon like all into one big happy family thing," I'm not gonna say no to that. Yes, I, I'm, I'm not gonna be unhappy if that happens. Uh, but to me. Those arcs, the arcs of those characters are pretty definitively closed. Especially Dinazenon has a very definitive ending uh, for those characters. Um, so, other than Galma, I think. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think 
you know, it's an open question. And yeah, I guess we should probably also like acknowledge that yeah, like the, it has been confirmed that they are making like a yeah and cross Dinazenon thing as the next as the y- yes. next part of the Gridman cinematic universe. <laughs> Uh, the GCU, the God GCU. help us. I mean, uh, this was something that you and I discussed on the previous podcast, actually, which is what mm-hmm. would we like to see next? And, well, sometimes Christmas really does come early, uh, or at least next year, whenever yeah. they make it. Um, and I can already think of a ton of, I could speculate of, like, all oh, a ton of stuff they might potentially have it. I, do, I will say one thing, though, like, if they did bring back all the characters from both into the same place, I'd love to see, like, the Gridman, like, you know, Alliance, like, all of the support characters, like, Caliber yeah. and all that. Like, having, like, a bit of a tiff of, like, the Dinozedon crew, like, because our auntie's got his own, like, Gridman <laughs> Alliance group, in, in a sense. So you could just For see them sure. all be, like, very jealous, like, you know, I could see, like, them doing, like, the Kaiser Grid Knight transformation. And then, yeah. you know, like, uh, whatever the tiny little Twin Tails girl, she just sort of says, we're better. <laughs> Like just gets very gets very jealous, very defensive about their transformation sequence. I think it is very, very interesting that uh from what I remember, the ending of Dinozenon where they when Grid Knight and Anosilus the second brings uh Dinozenon into the actual computer world, I wanna say that's like the first time we see that in its form that uh, was from the original Gridman, like Tokusatsu series, mm. for the first time in any yeah. of these anime. Um, we see glimpses of it in the original Gridman. You know, there's a moment when, or in the original Gridman anime, uh, we see that, you know, there's a moment where, like, anime Gridman turns into Tokusatsu Gridman. Yeah. Like, there's, there's, there's references to it, but I don't think we ever actually get, like, a real, you know, full on scene set in what clearly is like the setting of the, the Gridman Tokusatsu series. So I think that's extremely interesting. Uh, I don't know exactly know what that's setting up. Um, If it's supposed to be something completely new, if we're going to get more overt references to stuff that happened in like the actual, you know, first Gridman show. Um, Yeah. It'll be really interesting to see what they end up doing. And it'll probably be something that I cannot predict because I sure as hell could not have predicted and did not predict uh, where this show ended up going. So absolutely, Alex. How go. about you? What, what's your feeling on um, on who you want uh, to come back for like the uh, the get together? She say returns. She say finally gets her due. She uh, fucks off from society <laughs> like she's always wanted um, and finds gold. Old she say. <laughs> Uh, and um, becomes a hero of Girl, justice. Grown up Chise. Yes. Yeah, I I am in agreement. Like I'd like to see them be reunited. Um, because it did seem quite sudden that they just took Goldburn away. Um, but you know, uh, Chise gets uh, for for somebody who has like social anxiety that she wasn't part of the group. Um, Chise gets done really dirty by the show. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, we'll probably we'll go into that in a in a little bit, but I I definitely would like to see her again, if only to expand on her role in the show a little more and like give her the due that she is should have, as you rightly point out. Um, so yeah, Chise and Gamma basically, because Gamma and her both have, in my opinion, the same thing that they should have, which is they deserve their true happy endings, um, where she gets like you know have a have a proper like contribution and gamma gets not to be dead or in a coma or absent or dinosenon soul or whatever you are call it 
Let the man like twice. just have a good. Yeah, let 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 the man like you know just go and have a uh, have a good time like you know out eating like doing his part time work or something or like you know have more instance in pools. Oh my god, he that. is Emotep from the Mummy. Fuck. I mean, that's why I referenced it in the very first one. It's true, you know. I referenced the Mummy Returns in the very first episode. Yeah, I know. The Mummy returned. <laughs> Goddamn. Uh, by the way, he returned. All right. Uh, by the way, uh, Monocle Grizzly mentions in chat. Uh, Shouts to Grizz, by the way, for joining us. Um, he's 5,000 years old. He had a decent life. Let him Just let him rest. <laughs> I don't think it counts when you're not again. there for 5,000 nah. of those. He skips over them. Yeah, he's not actually 5,000. I mean, he's 5,000 years old. Nah. That's... Yeah, that's debatable. I mean, it's it's like saying that Reese Repulsa, like, you know, she came out after 10,000 years. Um... But she just like was having a chill time inside that like you know dumpster whatever it was called. She was just um, watching Netflix. I reserve the right to retract this statement when I hold this very fact against all of the kaiju eugenesis. By the way, fair, fair. You can you can take that back, Lisa. We we allowed on this show. Um, Grizzly also points out, by the way, just in reference to Koyomi and Chisei, as far as we were talking about their relationship, um, he mentions that. There was apparently some uh, mention in episode one that they might be cousins, cousins. Uh, but I can't recall that. I'm... I don't. I sure as hell don't remember that. But I'm not going to say that conclusively without rewatching the episode and checking for that 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 wasn't true. But hey, if that's there, then that's fine. I guess as, as Let's long go to as the Ultraman Wiki real quick. Ah, that they'll they'll sort it. Um, the Ultraman so... Wiki is confirming that they are cousins. Apparently. Ah, right. So there okay. you go. Okay, that's fine then. That's Their fine. Their relationship is still creepy for the record, but <laughs> we can move past that. <clears throat> Context really isn't always the uh, the get out jail free card that you that we want it to be. But no, anyway, no, no, no. anyway, that brings us to the end of our Patreon questions. So thank you very much to Rackham for um, adding for bringing those to us. Uh, and in turn, if you yourselves want to get involved and ask us pay, uh, questions about our shows as we go along, again, patreon.com forward slash Desho. Give that a look. Um, Feel free to ask questions about the show's code. You'll also get to pick shows that we cover, because that's going to be happening fairly soon. We're in a brand new cycle, brand new season. You can get involved in deciding what we get to watch next. God. It could even be something terrible. You could make me suffer for your enjoyment. I'll I do it. I don't even know what next season looks like at all. Um, so, good luck to y'all. At Sweet in the Pot, I think the, um, the, watching Shigan cool. yeah, suffer is a true delight, uh, and you should consider it. I don't well, see sweet my part with that. <laughs> you you can just take solace in the fact that, well, I say, I don't think anything will ever be as cinematically bad for Warrior Desho as uh, Frank's was. I, I mean, was, they did that episode by episode, honestly, I, so they really, really I fucked remember, themselves over in that one. <laughs> I remember that show more through... Watery death show than I do the actual show at this point. That's because every episode was like two hours long. The the Watery death show moaning about Darling and the Franks is like four times the length of Darling and the Franks. I mean, I suppose one could like make a scientific formula of like the ratio between like length of show versus length of discussion. I know that we already like exacerbate that quite a fair bit, but. In my defense, even though I would probably want to reduce a lot of the commentary I offered at the time about Franks, in my defense, that show was dog shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, It was of extremely bad. 
in my defence. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we're not we're talk we're here to talk about a show that is decidedly not dog shit. So we're going to move on to our talking points now, and I have a bunch of them about episode ten. But I mean, come on, you hear me talk every week on this on all sorts of shows. Talks and hell, I've been doing solo stuff on Tamazaki and Vivi. Uh, you poor people. So I'm actually going to pass over to both Mark and Alex. Uh, which of you two would like to go first to talk about stuff that you wanted to discuss about these episodes? Uh, shall we flip a coin? <laughs> I don't, I, I don't right. need to go first. That's fine. Um, I'll let Mar- I'm letting Mark go first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Shit. Dang okay. it. Dang it. <laughs> my my notes for these are are pretty disjointed, mostly because I feel like there's a lot of just like really obvious <laughs> things to say about, uh, especially episode ten. Um, episode 10 was like one of those things that is so good. It's like kind of hard to talk about other than just being like, wow, that was really good. Um, but, uh, I guess I could just specialize here and just bringing up some like minor stuff that I think was some really interesting clarifications to stuff that we already knew, um, about, you know, especially about Galma's backstory. Um, Mm. First of all, um, I love that the Kaiju eugenicists are wearing the exact same clothes that they did currently 5,000 years in the past. That seems to be a bit of a historical anachronism for me, but... Uh, you oh, know. you mean They're very 5,000 years resistant. ago, um, what appears to be the Heian period of Japan. <laughs> yeah. Well, everyone is uh, in, in quote-unquote period garb, except for them in their dumbass, you know... Blazers with military epaulets on them. Yep. Um, but um, so the pr- particulars of uh, Galma's quote-unquote betrayal of the the Kaiju Eugenesis come to light in that episode, um, and it's pretty hardcore. Uh, I, for one, um, was not really expecting the fact to come out that Galma just straight up murdered all the kaiju eugenicists. I, I mean, the blood as well. Like, that yeah, was the show's bare hands. Been, broadly speaking, very... Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it, we see a kaiju on kaiju battle, or at least the end of it. Uh, Ka- Galma straight up decapitating another kaiju with his own kaiju. Um, the kaiju eugenicists all lying dead and sallow and in pools of their own blood. Uh, and then Galma dying at the end of it. Um, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, they said previously, like, you know, oh, we, we died 5,000 years ago and we were resurrected, but the particular, the particulars of that death, I was not expecting it to, to be that, uh, uh, like I said, that, that hardcore, um, I mean, they, I appreciate it. I was, I mean, you'd have expected like for them to have been sealed by some ancient force, like no. maybe the. Galma but no, just straight up oh. Joe just them. fucking beat the shit out of them. Yeah. Okay. See Galma what murdered I murdered them, and he murdered them because he, uh, you know, had a loyalty. So the other, the other thing that because he was in Metal Gear Solid Snake Eater. Oh no. no. Anyway, so the thing that the other thing that was <laughs> not for honor, but for you, the kaiju in the kaiju eugenicists were foreigners of some kind. Um, I, I, it's weird cause like Galma in his original form as a 5,000 year old Chinese mummy, um, uh, you know, I always just assumed that him and the princess were like from the same country or whatever, or, or, you know, related to each other in some way. 
Um, but they seem to be like people from like outside of the current system, which may also explain why they're wearing weird clothes for the time period that exist in. Um, but um, you know the, the 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 specifics of the conflict between him and the rest of the Kaiju Eugenesis were that the country that the princess represented was essentially trying to use or throw away the Kaiju Eugenesis, which. You know, I'm just taking the Kaiju Eugenesis word for that. It probably is a little bit more nuanced than that. Uh, and then, of course, Galma obviously loved the princess, so he was uh, allied with her, and that is what caused the the, the whole conflict, um, which is interesting. Um, I don't know if I have anything other than to say about it other than that's interesting, but um, I, I do wonder how much... If they bring Galma back in whatever the sequel series is, how much further they go into that 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 sort of backstory? Because it's I feel like there's a little bit of money left on the table there still, but obviously you can't just spell out everything because that that takes away some of the mystery of it. But yeah, um, yeah. Uh, the honestly, the only other like really like one of the funniest moments of this episode for me that I really liked was. Um, you know, Yomogi is kind of traversing the different memories, getting all of his friends out of out of, you know, these these big realizations they're having about their pasts. And then right at the end, right as they're all about to come together, you just see Grid Knight break out of his own one. And he's just like, yeah, I already did that. I'm, I don't need it. I, mean, I don't, I don't need I don't need your help. <laughs> I'm too good for you. Oh, it's hilarious because it's like most of the time you think it's just bluster coming from him. But but he's right. Like he he. We had an entire show about him, like, breaking out of his, his, you know, uh, you know, childhood strictures. So uh, it's just really funny to, <laughs> to see that uh, manifest. Oh, I read that scene. Like, yeah, we, are, we did this last season. Um, oh, well, not well, completely like different. you reading on it. Um, no, so uh, the impression that I got was that he, it was basically like when, um, there's an alarm going off and, um, and, and you wake up like right before your alarm and the alarm goes off and you go up and get out of bed like yeah yeah I was already up ah like, <laughs> that's um, a great way of putting it like Yomogi came knocking and he w- and Auntie was you know he was just like ruminating in the bad vibes of the past like you do sometimes I was such like, a raccoon back in those days like yeah damn uh that was pretty fucked up uh and i'm just uh, i'm just gonna i'm just gonna be here in this moment think about how that was fucked up for a bit and uh you know the, 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 i guess somebody's gonna get me or not or i'll get out and we'll see you from there and then we'll he shows up and auntie is like yeah i don't need any help i'm cool i'm a cool protagonist guy now i'll just shut up <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it, the question it make me this the question i wanted to put to y'all because i these types of episodes, as good as they are, they are uh, also the type of episodes that I find myself having the hardest time analyzing because uh, I'm a dumbass, basically. Um, I'm stupid. Uh, yeah. And uh, so the, the question I wanted to pose to y'all is, is the question of the manner of Kano's death actually actually answered? in this or is the answer that the show gives that it doesn't really matter in the end because i kind of saw both that's the thing that you're you're right to ask that because in theory it could be it could be both in the does it matter if she knows or not i mean 
the but finger, is the finger... there not a moment where when Minami and her are talking that Minami is just like, wait, so it was actually an accident? I, after I think all? that yeah, I think that was confirmed that it was just an accident, not actually suicide. Um, but it still I'm... sucks. Her sister died. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, well, I, I mean, obviously that's the that's the real that's the real answer. I'm just wondering if like is this kaiju essentially allowing her to realize like an actual fact of the past or it does that even really matter and the actual answer is just that you know it doesn't matter her sister is still dead and, and yeah that's I, a fact I, that she has to grapple with i i think that's a fair point to make because i mean it's like i said when we were covering wonder egg priority in the um with i uh the lead character and koito the girl uh her friend who killed herself like ultimately as much as i hate to say it from a narrative perspective that show wasn't about koito it was about i's reaction to koito's death um so in the case of uh Dina zenon um kano's death only matters narratively and again i'm stressing this narrative and not in terms of what it means to the characters of course because i mean any of us of course if it happened to us we would we would be uh, as much for yeah, wreck as uh, as he is but from a narrative sense, the utility of Kano's death is for the purpose of Hinami's like character arc and her journey. And so I think in the end, um, the way I choose to read it is I think it's just to give her a kind of closure because it's we she's been playing, of course, with the Ankh puzzle all the way through. And the big visual moment, the thing that came to pass that wasn't to happen eventually in one form or another, is that she manages to finally complete it. She frees the Angs from each other, you know. And the Angs, of course, have been the visual representation of her links to the past with Kano. But what I found really neat was that she then puts them back together again. And I thought that was a really great way of demonstrating that, like with how uh, the others in the episode use the past, like, you know, now as a source of strength rather than a source of pain or, like, they move on for it, perhaps, you know. Um, that's her, like, you know, recreating that link with the past with her sister on her own terms with this new information that she has been given. She's not going to leave the memories of her sister behind. I'm going to forget about her entirely. But rather, it's going to be something now that she's no longer burdened with, but is instead perhaps maybe a source of strength for her. Um, okay. And so that, I think, really does work quite well. Um, I think... In some way, though, like, I'm actually kind of glad, personally, that it wasn't suicide. And I'm speaking strictly from my perspective of, I've covered a lot of shows about that. Um, I, I'm, And sometimes it can just be like, you know, that, hey, you've got to work out the past and get past all that. And maybe it's not as bad as you thought it would be. Um, yeah. and I mean, it is also- certainly a cliche in anime at this point to have a character kill themselves before the show has started and have the rest really? of the characters have to grapple with it. And that being the show, so uh, I don't mind that when it's nice done well. To be subversion. fair, yeah, but it's like it's nice to see that that was not the case in this case for once. Yeah, uh, Abs- and that absolutely. like also people can die from other, you know, uh, possibly less less emotionally significant uh, or, or poignant ways than than suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it's like it's it's. Honestly, it doesn't really solve any problems for for Minami to to learn that in the end. Um, you know, even if it was something in real life, I mean, it's it's still an insanely complicated feeling to have to grapple with, uh, especially if you, I think, like her, were really expecting for it to be suicide, and to find out the opposite. 
um, given you know given the evidence that they have set up so far with the bullying and the the weird prank show that her friends were making about her. Um, so, yeah. No, but I think I think that's like, I'm glad to see it. I mean, I think that's the point. Like, it's these um, it's this much more ambiguous and random thing which doesn't there's no like clear arc to it because the thing i think this uh, dinosaur does really really well is it like strings you along with the anxieties of its main characters to make you yes. think that um that like that's the actual arc um like when we're thinking that um, the the part-time manager like koyomi's quote-unquote ex uh is like bad news because he has like these uh like traumatic flashbacks to her when the actual thing turns out to be that he chickened out and he um and he blamed her for that yeah mm-hmm. um or uh um and the uh and in a way like this makes the, the dinosaur on a very funny show for Wari desho to cover because Wari desho um uh you and doc like loved uh, like oh what's i what's it going to do next like is it going to do this thing is that is there this reason for this um like uh what what's who is the man behind the curtain here and it turns out the man behind the curtain was uh gravity and bad footing <laughs> yeah. um yep yeah, you're right you're 100 right the show had us both back to rights basically on that front um but you um, are a hundred and- sorry Hello. Sorry, go on. Uh, I was interrupting you. Sorry, good, Karen. Oh, hello. Oh, are you there? Hello. Okay, we're back. Ah, um, uh, yeah. Sorry, anyway, carry on, Alex. Um, I interrupted you. But um, uh, but that that kind of um, ambiguity that um, like sort of shitty things still happen, and it's like not uh, like. Uh, there's not such a clear-cut reason or, like, the logic behind it. It's just, like, sort of bad things happen and then things happen and they're bad for you, but, like, it's not because they were bad in and of themselves, but that doesn't make them not bad for you, and it's, like, this whole, like, tangled experience. Yeah. Um, And, but the thing is, like, all those other characters have still have to live with that ambiguity. Like, yeah, the police said it was an accident, and everybody is like, sort of sure it was an accident, but uh, maybe. Um, yeah. Uh, and um, like Yume gets that closure because she fights a fucking kaiju that collapses space and time, but nobody else gets that. Like that boyfriend, um, who I probably was like not great. He was a teenage boy. He probably sucked, but he doesn't deserve to like think that. Oh my god, maybe I helped kill my girlfriend. Yeah, I, I mean, and I then have everybody in, yeah, and then have everybody in I... his life like hound him, like, hey, did you? Uh, could you have stopped your girlfriend from getting killed? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't necessarily. I, I think he is probably the one that if it was a suicide would would have the least fall on his shoulders but there was definitely several characters they introduced before him that were like very clearly trying to cover up their bullying of Kano um yeah. probably in uh, the interest of like if the fact ever came to light that she did kill herself uh probably you know they would not want to be implicated in in the bullying that contributed to it mm-hmm. but completely hands um, off like nope not touching this don't want to involve it nope, nope. 
Right, and all of this, and all those people suck. But I think like one of the things it does, like it's yes, like you can, uh, you can have like shitty circumstances and um, and then die mysteriously. But like those two things don't have to be like Next, necessarily yeah. causal. No, because that's it. I think that sometimes that's the intent that we find in a lot of fiction as well, which is we assume a causal relationship, like self and payoff. Uh, and sometimes it's good to subvert that. And it turns out in this case that, hey, yeah, um, it is still tragic. It's still awful. But there isn't a link between like that stuff, all the secondhand social media stuff that we saw, uh, which was pieced together like by uh, Yume. Um, and her sister actually left. It was, just, it was just a tragic accident, which is still tragic, the, the words in the clue, the, the words in the title there. But, yeah, I, I think Dino Zenon deserves credit for doing it differently that way rather than going for the easy option. Um, but also then, one thing that I also think works really well is that in the earlier episodes, I think it was in episode four, there was discussion about if Kaiju could indeed bring back the dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that might have been contextually related to what happened with Gauma, but the point being, though, is that what, in theory, is stopping Yume from staying with Kado once she meets her again? Um... Now, when I say that, you could then say, well, she's older, like, you know, she'd be like, there's obviously her other stuff. But what I mean is there's nothing, like, literally, like, hard stopping her from doing that. It comes down then to her choice. Does she stay with her sister or does she go back to help the others? And she does choose in the end to go with the others, um, which I like that they had that time together where Yamogi, like, even even he, like, steps aside. And he's just like, I'm going to stand down here. Mind my own business. Go lead him to it. Um, but even he, like, you know, says, all right, like, she says, like, can I have some more time? And then um, she does come back and help. But the option was always there for her. The temptation must have been present within her to stay behind forever through the power of this kaiju as a thought. The thing that she and others theorized about all the way back then. I like that little, not little callback there, but also that goes to show, like, that she's ready to accept her sister's death and move on from it, but while keeping it still, like, you know, as a part of, like, her memory. I think that's a nice little touch. It's good, I think, when the show, like, mixes together the crazy, like, big kaiju stuff with the more intimate character elements. And indeed, that's part of its design, because kaiju are, of course, great big, thundering metaphors for human emotion. So, there you go. That's kind of, honestly, the, like, the entire purpose of both of these shows, uh, at least from Amemia's uh, point of view and the writer. Uh, uh, You know, I think that's, like, the most obvious purpose of both of these shows is to do the whole, you know... Yeah, there's all this big crazy shit happening, but uh, like we've joked about before, this one's about the people. <laughs> um, uh, I just want to like point out some like specific stuff in the episode that I think like makes this turn like really really work. Um, mm. uh, one thing that like uh, I thought was really great was um, there's um there's a there's a line in an earlier episode where she says that uh, Kana was smiling when she gave her the invitation um and then in this episode she gives the invitation you don't get to see her face like you um, mm. like when it's still maintaining the tension of like oh like oh my god is this like days before she kills herself um she, you don't get to see like if that impression of a smiling Kana was the correct one um, and so that t- and so that tension, like up until um, Yomogi uh, spends sixteen hours like beating against reality, um, he was committed. Uh, he sure was. Um, the 
you you just don't get that uh, closure and then she's singing like this you know um uh the good old anime standard of uh, creepy school um chorus songs where it's like this could be good or there could be a horrible robot battle in the background and children screaming um yikes uh and um does uh oh um and uh um i'm i'm blanking on uh, the um voice actress for uh, minami uh but uh I know she's pretty new, but she's doing fucking phenomenal work in this. Uh, she was great uh, in the uh, show, yeah. Shion Wakayama is her name. And yeah, she is a fairly new voice actress. Uh-huh. Um, Al the Park. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I know that we of... have... We've praised her a lot in the past on, on in this particular run of episodes on this show, but um, she has a really great, um, yeah. very natural line delivery that that again i don't think you see very often especially yeah. not in shows of this kind she does very well at silent screaming where she speaks softly about things that are going on and things that are troubling her but you can sense the pain inside her mm-hmm. delivery on that she absolutely fucking nails it yeah the one i want to nail is uh, the, the like uh linger on here is when she like actually does scream like kano 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 over and over again yeah, and then she start and then she gets to the top and she starts hyperventilating because she's been screaming while she's been running. Yeah, she she like you can just tell like how much like she's been going like breakneck pace to get there as quickly as possible. It's something you don't need to see, but something that you can absolutely imagine like as the interim between like when Yamogi says we've got to go find your sister, she goes <gasps> like that little that little like yes that she says like it's just such a simple declaration, but like it's just like with the the gasp of air of like uh, real emotion of like. I am on the fucking clock here. I have this opportunity. I have to seize it now. Fucking brilliant. She does great. I think um, everyone, generally speaking, this show is is bloody brilliant at what they do, though, like in terms of voice acting. I just want to shout out um, the animation team specifically responsible for all of Grid Knight's wrestling moves this season because he does <laughs> a picture-perfect Hurricane Rana on this time-bending kaiju at the end of the Is that the one where he wraps his legs around the neck and then flips yeah. him over? Yeah, that was yeah, sick that as is hell. A, That's, yeah. gorgeous. He's done some German suplexes in the past, some belly-to-belly suplexes, and now we get a absolutely perfect Hurricane Rana on a kaiju. Which is just incredible. The, the fight choreography in this show in general has been great. Like, I, I'll mention two specific things here. Uh, Shout out to sec- Grafinica for probably some of the best uh, and least uncanny CGI I've seen in an anime in a long time. Good on them. It works because they don't. It works because they tend to not ever really blend 2D animation with it. Like that's the thing that almost immediately sets my brain going. Like it's fake as fuck like i could see it because like it's mixed into with stuff that doesn't match but like they keep the 3d animation for the most part to kaiju stuff only uh i think they even do like times where they'll like have like diner wing uh, like come and pick uh yume up for example uh but then it'll be drawn in 2d and then they'll only do it in 3d when she's not actually visible as a character in the same frame or things like that and that's the best way in my opinion usually to do uh cg animation is keep it segregated from the 2d elements so they don't stick out against each other yeah um well and also further contributes to this idea that we're you know adapting uh materials that are originally you know tokusatsu based so uh it's a little bit more even though it's still very anime 
uh, it's a little bit more contributive to the idea that like these are people in suits just beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> Even though that's you know obviously not what it is in universe, but yeah, uh, um, it definitely has that look and feel to it that I that I really appreciate. A hundred percent. Speaking of beating up people in suits, by the way, this leads on to the two things I wanted to mention. The first of which is I love crafty fight scenes where it's not the case of we've got the bigger beam and that wins, but they do stuff in creative ways. So in episode ten, once they finally break out of the kaiju and then. Uh, become Kaiser Grid Knight. Uh, this kaiju also turns out to have the powers of the Flash because it can move really fast. Oh, see, I went um, with Sonic. Sonic as well. Got a. I mean, <laughs> so, in fact, Silver. But again, Silver never could watch. It was, it was I mean, basically and... interchangeable characters at this point. Yeah, Sonic yeah. And, and DC's the um, Flash. Also, I want to go. Perfect. I want to go back like five seconds. Um, and they they punch the kaiju out of its own temporal reflection. Uh, yeah, that's reality. right. That is right. That is right. It's it's so good. Um, but then this kaiju like is moving really fast. But the one thing it can't do is jump. So they just, like they just summon like this giant like circular beam and just spread out across the battlefield horizontally. Damn! Um, like, I can't believe great. the kaiju eugenicist got a white kaiju. <laughs> <laughs> they just yep. Yeah. It's got stumpy legs. Like it can't get off the ground. And I thought, but I loved how like that works though, because it, again, it wasn't a question of we've got like you know the biggest beam or whatever. I mean, although I suppose okay. they did here. Hold on, but they beat it by making a circle saw get really, really big. Yeah, yeah, but what? Yeah, what, I don't, what you're also bearing the lead here because this show does straight up end with a who has the bigger beam battle. I, I, so, I <laughs> yes, but the, when I say that, I'm, I'm well for one. It doesn't when you happen the big, all the time. You're right. It, it is. Yeah, when when I say the bigger beam, it only stuff, happens I'm, when it counts. <laughs> true. When I say the bigger beam stuff, like at the end, the end fight, like I'll gain that separately, but that's got more to it than like just simply like. There's actually something to the bigger beam element that matters, like in terms Obviously, of characters, yeah. as opposed to elsewhere. And when I say in terms of like this, what I mean is like when you get people like firing like stuff at each other, and there's like no, it's just like we're just gonna, there's like no creativity to the fight. Like I thought that was just a cool thing where like, okay, we can't catch this thing, so we'll just, you know, because it can't get into the air, we'll hit it with this thing it can't dodge. I'm like, that's cool. That's That feels like a clever fight scene to me. I like that. Um, so I've been like much more up and down on the fights in uh, Dinazenon, um, because I think the, well, I think like the monster designs have been like 10 out of 10 every single time. Um, mm. I think that they don't make, like the designs don't make the fights interesting a lot of the time. Mm. Um, I think there's, uh, one, they all have like Photoshop powers that affect reality. Yeah. Um, and it's, it always, it, um, and, um, not every time, but a lot of the time it just comes down to um, how is it going to destroy the missiles that Dinozenon is going to throw at it? <laughs> oh, you mean the Galba keeps firing and he yeah, just yeah, always yeah. has this like wow, wow, wow look on um, his face every time they get Second side note, the thing where it fires missiles and then just uh, its finishing move is just punching the monsters uh, and juggles into the missiles is pretty good. Yeah, that is um, great. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, but they're... they're there have been like a couple of fights, like including the first one where Grid Knight shows up in episode nine, nine, um, yes. where I was like, okay, the transformation sequence is sick, but you were losing, and then you did a transformation sequence, and then you won. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, I'm the uh, at least with uh, Gridman, there was always like um, be- 
because that was a much more um the the kaiju were like specifically designed in universe uh, there was always a oh this kaiju um has a bigger laser and is a super defense because the last one fucked up and this one's yeah. just going to be big as hell you, you know what that reminds me of actually speaking of Gridman, is the kaiju that uh, alexis summons using akane's heart the really weird looking one that's got like the split down the middle with mm-hmm. like the that that also makes this weird noise and just kind of like wobbles around. As I'm gonna, to I'm gonna leave that very... on the record and not comment on it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but like, I I like that just because it was different. But I do hear you coming from about the kaiju designs and also like how they factor into the fights. Like not especially like they're more impressive to look at in a vacuum, if you want to call it that. Um, uh. this to go back to the second thing I wanted to bring up though, and this is where I get to point to your amazing jacket. By the way, did you catch? The incredible reference to the uh, Godzilla flying drop kick. Of course. Yes. What a. <laughs> so that was in episode 12, though, right? Yeah. That yes, was it the, was. The final fight. Okay, cool. We're yeah, talking all three episodes. Just, just talking them. about. Uh-huh. Yeah, so yeah, that was. That was uh, Godzilla versus Megalon, I think, is the specific movie. Uh, which I think is also. Am I incorrect in thinking that that is the debut of Jet Jaguar? In that movie. Oh God, I couldn't tell you. I, I, I haven't seen it. The only, the only thing I've seen is that drop kick, and it's one of those things where it's so incredible that I feel like I shouldn't watch the rest of the film. No, not because the rest of the film will be, I, yeah, not because the rest of the film will be bad, but because like what could possibly compare to that? No, the thing, there... the reason you watch the movie is so you have the drop kick, and then you are surprised by the drop kick in context, and then you have a bunch of other stuff that you also get to enjoy. This is fair. This is fair. <laughs> um, there's some. There's a couple moments in that fight that are uh, like di- uh, direction wise that are fucking incredible. My favorite is there's a shot of the kaiju and its tail is sort of coming in off the side of the screen, and then it immediately cuts to sh- the exact same angle of Shizumu with his hair. The hair tail. The, the exact his fucking rat tail. His Padawan so, tail. <laughs> so good. So good. I went back and watched that like like probably like 50 times just because i was just like damn like because that's also Scorpion. like if i was an anime director that's the exact same shit that i would pull and i would pull it way too much and people would get super tired of it uh, <laughs> so the fact that they only really ever did it once in the show is a real uh credit to <laughs> the diversity mm. of talent that they have working um, on this thing visually but god ah, oh, so good i love yeah. it. yeah all right let's forget we're not just talking about this fight now um i love it when they punch the kaiju so hard it starts to get it gets it turns 2d and like has a reaction impact frames <laughs> um it's like it's like when dio gets punched in jojos yeah i mean and um i love it when it does the fucking terminator walk uh out of the, mm. out of the fire <laughs> and it gets yeah. like three close-ups the laugh is great as well like oh there's something god about- the the like awful <laughs> pitched down um yeah i so I, I can't That's i can't so even good. come close to replicate but it's just so like there's something so malicious about it uh like that like that season is taking personal joy in like inflicting all this devastation but there's also something like really dangerous sounding about it as well like it it it's great it's 
pitch perfect for that. It's like the exact noise that Bowser would make in like Mario 64 when you're fighting. Um, I can't. That, the M-rated Mario game that people have been clamoring for. <laughs> now, yeah. now, that, now that you said that though, Mark, I'm just disappointed at no point did uh, Dinozenon like pick him up by the tail and swing him into a bomb. God, that would have been sick. <laughs> that would. That would he, be great. He should have fired a missile, picked him up by the tail, and then swung Was him into the missile. Was there any moment in this entire series, or even in Gridman, when a kaiju gets spun around by its tail? Because that's like the biggest missed opportunity. It's just like I don't recall spun like, around that's for like, sure. That's Maybe like not by the, the shit tail. in Incredibles, where they tell heroes not to wear capes because it's like super easy to pick someone up by the cape and spin them around. And like that scene, what was it? The Man of Steel, where. Superman fights Zod, and he, the first thing he does is grab Superman's capes and cape and just wings him into a building with it. Like, it's it's the it's the kaiju version of the superhero cape. You pick up the tail and throw a kaiju every time. Well, well, Trigger, I didn't see it more. Trigger, and uh, Subaraya, if you are listening to yeah. this random Z list anime podcast and are having someone try and translate this for you live, and you're not, you know, going to get someone to put a hit on me, uh, that one's for free. Put Good that in SS- Yes, on. if the first fight does not include. A kaiju tail spin. Oh, you know, you know what they could I... do. You know what they could do. You have Dinosaur do the tail spin, and it's Gridman who uppercuts the kaiju as it flies towards him. Um, honestly, <laughs> it could be the kaiju doing a tail spin on the Dinosaur Rex to prove that it's more powerful than the ultimate form. Oh god, there it's gonna go. be like get, there's not get enough go. tail. There's not enough tail usage just in general, trigger. So just take that. You heard it take here that. first. <laughs> you heard it here first. Breaking news. Um, Whatever context another... you want, though. There's another moment in that fight. More uh, tales as anime podcast. The the final Dinazenon battle go, which by the way is probably one of my favorite, uh, like dumb Tokusatsu catchphrases that I've heard made up for this thing. Like obviously every like you know mecha combination or or Tokusatsu series needs some sort of thing that you yell as you run into battle, and Dinazenon mm-hmm. battle go is is incredible in the dumbest possible way, but. Yeah. Um, when they uh, like essentially like re-separate out of Kaiser Grid Knight and they allow Dinozenon to essentially have like you know the final punch or whatever before they do the big beam versus beam thing. Um, there's a scene where there's a cut where they're running down the street and there's like a bunch of missiles running at the exact same speed as them and then they go in to do the punch and they punch at the exact same moment as all the missiles explode on the kaiju. I mm. love that. I don't have any yeah. like heady analysis to say about that. I'm just gonna say that that was fucking you don't awesome. you don't need it. Like yeah, but <laughs> that's it's great. That's how they ended the centaur fight, like in episode four. Like I was like kind of down on that episode, and then it's like set like it calls out an attack name, and the attack just turns out to be I'm gonna drop kick you into these missiles I just fucked up firing. Yeah, yeah. I I am very sad. However, we did not get one final return of the something beam. Yeah, the something beam was was. A f- uh, definitely a favorite definitely my favorite move um, but, but also time. there's so many there's so many moves there's I'm just okay so that. many moves at this point i i would rather have the beam where the um the, the 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 final kaiju does like the um the like omega effect like lightning strike where all of the like <laughs> beams like find a like way towards the, the towards dinosaur yeah and then the big beam hits yeah, yeah. Uh, the, hey, there's not part of these Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go, go ahead. No, sorry, go back after you. Oh no, no, no! I was gonna uh, uh, throw a big transition in here, so uh, please, you go first. Well, I was gonna say was uh, that there's no part I think of the fights in these final episodes where it doesn't 
where it isn't doesn't feel epic and hype. But there's one very quick thing I'll say before passing back to you, of course, which is because I'm a nitpicky, complainy bastard. Um, I remember mentioning previously that I thought, oh, uh, you know, well now we've got Kaiser Grid Knight. Like, um, isn't this blowing the load a little bit early? Like, you know, doesn't this do Dinah Zenon the Mech a disservice because he wears them as armor? Um, and you and I had a brief discussion about that on the last pod. All I'll say is this: like you brought up the oh, uh, they allow Dinah Zenon the Mech likes to do its own thing. Like they go through the sequences and end up with it being the T Rex form. And I love that they did that. I think it's great just to like again have them have their own moment because it is their show. Yeah, I mean and... their 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 name is the name of the show, so yeah, it makes sense. Uh, Grid Knight surfing on the, the ro- bigger robot T Rex is pretty cool. Yeah, and Grid Knight also has another distinct combination with Goldburn. I thought like that might weird, happen. Like, pterodactyl thing. Uh, I, gets, I mentioned that actually. Yeah, I was he wondering gets if it the might Trans Riser from uh, Double O Gundam. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there you go. Um, Excellent. So. Sorry, go on. Sorry, go on, Axe. Uh, yeah, no, there's a, there's just a bunch of, like, good old-fashioned... Uh, uh, you love to have a line like that in your mech fights. There's a bunch of, like, uh, it, um, it's not over yet, it's over for you! Um, yeah. And um, there's, like, you teleports... Grid Knight teleports behind a dude, he's like, Nani! And then gets punched in the fucking face. Like, just... Yeah. You'll love to see it. Well, just... the best thing for me is that it... You know despite everything and despite how many like you know unique sort of like subversions of the form that they've done it does all end with just a ton of screaming and a massive laser beam that is like the final move of the fight which yeah. is exactly how it should end i i, I hope the i imagine the voice actors and actresses had a fun time doing this uh, i could just imagine the voice tracks be like right okay i want you to scream at the top of your lungs all these lines and they do that and they're like come on you can do better than that. It's like it's like we get like pumped up at like a a show or something. Like I can't hear you because that's what it felt yeah. like they had to do. But like they honestly, it was great. It was uh, it was so fucking hype. Uh, exactly. uh, you know, the character animators certainly had the time of their lives. Everybody looks fucking feral in this episode. They do. Yeah. Like they, they, this is like the angriest like mecha kaiju fight I've seen in a long time. In a, in a very justified way for the story, in a very cathartic... I think it feels cathartic as well for the characters as much as it does for us to see them, like, really just have this battle of wills. Because that's really what it is. The mechs are just, like, the big, like, you know, visual metaphor for, like, this, you know, this conflict of um, perspectives and willpower. Um, so, yeah, it, yeah. It, but, no, it's all fucking hype. I love it. Awesome. Okay, Mac. Uh, Mark, you said um, that you had a big transition yeah. point. Do tell. Uh, we have almost entirely skipped over episode 11 in our discussion of this last fight. So mm. I, there, there are a couple things that happened there that I do, I do want to bring up because uh, uh, important both from a production standpoint and from a story standpoint. Um, uh, first off, does not need to be discussed, but Minami does the, the Akane <laughs> uh, Ultraman villain crab hand thing. Um, but she's talking about actual crabs, which is pretty funny. I can't um, really do it in my left hand. We we have a brief sequence in there where Galma talks about how he learned that the princess. God, that's why the instance domination thing. It looks like that. Fuck. Yeah. Fuck. You're right. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about that. There you Boom. go. Big realization that we've all just had here. There you go. Um, the so the princess killed herself after Galma died five thousand years ago. Can I pause that on that sequence? Y- yes. Okay, so um, so the play-by-play here is um, Gamma uh, 
Gamma betrays his comrades for his for his love and his country, like in Metal Gear Solid Three, um, and then dies either from the fight or because the court poisoned him. Uh, and then um, the princess um, is like, uh, ah, I what I want for you, Gamma, is that you. That, you know, I want the possibility of life for you. I want you to find some fucking better friends than these losers. Um, I'm going to give you this robot so that you, when you reincarnate from your kaiju juice powers, um, you have better friends through the power of this robot. And now I'm going to go kill myself. <laughs> because I don't believe in any of those things for myself. Yikes. Yeah. I mean, that that honestly tracks for me. Um uh, the uh, unfortunate uh, reality about uh, a lot of people like that that want the best for others, uh, a lot of the times they end up not really caring about what's best for themselves. So so um, wait, wait, sorry. You mean to say that I was saying before about how, oh, thank God that uh, Kado did not kill himself, but this still is a show about suicide in some form or another. I guess so. I don't know. Honestly, we my really point wasn't even, I wasn't even bringing this up to discuss this. I was bringing it up, uh, this up uh, to point out that we got a audio clip from the original show. Nice. In the anime. Uh, the, the sequence where you see all the weird, like, silvery visuals. Yeah, I figured that's what that and was. we hear a child talk, you know, uh, essentially appealing to a dead mummy about the princess. That that's a That is a direct clip from... You know, Gridman, the hyper agent, which yeah, is, isn't he uh, on their phone at some point? From they're like, so damn, check out this five thousand year old mummy. <laughs> that's the other thing I wanted to bring up because that also once again calls into question just what the hell we're actually seeing here in terms of, you know, the world that these characters are living in. Because I know we've had some debate on the show as to like, are they living in some type of like advanced computer world? Is this the real world? Is this you know what 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 are we seeing? Um, and I think that right there is probably the best evidence for this just straight up being like the world of the original Gridman series, but just like in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're literally looking at a news article about this thing that happened in the original Gridman series, which, you know, lends credence to the, to the, to the theory that, you know, this is, this is the real world. They, you know, ultimately it's not really what the show is about, Um you know, for this season at least. Um, but yeah. Uh, I also think that there is maybe a little bit of visual inconsistency. If it turns out that this is the real world, considering how the big separation that they showed in the first Gridman anime was like literally the end of the series being Akane waking up in real life and it being like a physical scene shot with a camera, mm-hmm. like all that type of stuff to mm-hmm. show like, Oh no, this is the real world. So if then this is the real world portrayed in an anime, I feel like that's a little bit of visual inconsistency, but also it's probably completely unavoidable. I have something um, to say to that. So, yeah, please, go ahead. You don't know how many layers there are to the Matrix. Oh. Well, yeah, that's that was that that was always my original question was just like you know, what like Le- yeah what level is this basically or like um, how many levels is is there a computer world like is this a part of computer world is this even related at all to the the digital world that we see in the first season like wh- what is going on and also i feel like that's a question that they'll probably end up answering in the next one uh, um 
So I think that's probably purposely why they didn't give a direct answer to it here. But it is highly suspicious that they're able to, like, read a news article on this thing that happened in a supposedly distinct series several years before this. Okay, um, so that was my joke answer. I have a real answer to this. Oh, do it. It doesn't matter um, because what this actually is is he, season he, he two of the joke answer out so hard. The joke answer is hanging up. And I see the video just. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Well, while Alex uh, reconnects, um, I, I gosh, I, I think the the thing I the way I see it though is like if this is the real world or not. Like I'm not. I'm not entirely sure that it is, if only because by virtue of, like, the fact that, um, like, Ansi and Ansolius are just, like, traveling back and forth um, from different yeah. places. Like, it it makes it seem, like, less like this, because, like, Earth always, like, and the real world. Also, apologies for our stream layout going a bit funny there. Uh, Earth and the real world, like, um, always have this kind of, like, primacy in fiction, I think, just because that's where we come from, of course. Uh, so yeah. if it was that, then it would like be a bit strange to go somewhere else that's not going to ultimately be as important in their own heads. Uh, Alex, yeah. I'm so sorry I stole the spotlight from you there. Uh, it's fine. You... Don't worry about it. That's... Y- y- your, your, your real answer was to freeze in place like a statue, and it's an uh-huh. impressive feat. Uh, it's called dramatic build-up, because the real you answer well. is that uh, this is the second season of Kiz and Ivor. Uh... <laughs> um... no, actually, no. I'm not even going to entertain that. <laughs> Uh, this show is so much better than Kiznaiver. That is also true. <laughs> that is, a, uh, this is an that is an insult to Dinazenon. The, the bonds are I scars, see. and the scars are bonds, and um, the this is uh, this is actually um, Dinazenon is a Mario Kata show. If Mario Kata had a sense of restraint, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, because it's uh, it's like all this build up about um, and like purposefully playing with is this the real world is this the Akane verse is this uh, something else and the answer is it doesn't fucking matter because you should hang out with your friends. Yes, exactly. Whether they're you know whether they're like you're in the real world or not like uh, your friends are still important they're still real. That was Rika's whole thing after all in a uh, Gridman. Yeah, I I I think the the like nature of the setting is is obviously like a lot smaller of a part of the story this time around than it was in Gridman. I just think that they unfortunately saw, are suffering from uh the syndrome of them having brought that specter up in the first place in the first show uh and then probably not really being able to address it whatsoever in this one just due to time constraints or because they're waiting yeah. until the, you know, Gridman X Dinazen on uh, third season f- to you know actually address it oh um, my impression or... was that they were just purposely fucking with us yeah I also mean, it's, possible it, it ultimately doesn't matter in the context of the show where exactly they are because it wasn't it's not what the show is about yeah uh, unlike gridman which it was a lot of what that show is about right but it was about that in gridman because the principal character in that show was god yeah yeah whereas this i mean yeah if God shows up in Dinazenon, we don't get to know about it. <laughs> yeah. God, God, God in Gridman was a waifu designed for your your pleasure. Yeah. Uh, hey, you Shadon, Yamogi confessed. They did it. They did. Yes. It, like. Thank it, you, Trigger. Thank, they did thank it. you. Thank they, you for so that. So we did not get a kiss, which is what I was hoping for, because that is like the ultimate uh, fuck you to every, uh, you know, shonen slash vaguely seinen anime that teases this type of shit but never actually capitalizes on it but 
they were holding hands in the last scene of the last episode. So yep. uh, I will count it. Um, him, uh, being on girl, him being on girlfriend duty and then um, being forced to say her first name, I think is way better. <laughs> That's I mean, also true. Sure. When your classroom is like, dude, go get your fucking girlfriend, please. Um, that's that's a relationship. <laughs> that's sure. fair. I can't I can't disagree with that. I mean, also one of my favorite moments from those closing scenes was, uh, of course, at this point, Yamogi, like he is proven to also potentially be a kaiju user with the instance domination thing that he did to win the day. Um, he's dressed as a mummy in the. Uh, and for the school like uh, festival thing, and she's dressed as a princess, so it it did happen. Uh, five thousand years go. later, twelve thousand years. It yep, yeah, it just a matter of time, you know. Yeah, honestly, there, at the beginning of this show, if uh, I was gonna pick a character to be the one that was the kaiju user, Yomogi was not the one I would have picked. Yume would have been my guess. Uh, yeah, um, it would have been anybody but him, but. Uh, it worked out in the end. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So uh, one thing I want to bring up very quickly is I know that you rightly pointed out um, before that the um, episode 10 likes a lot of like stuff in it that's obvious. And I'm not going to list everything, um, but I am going to bring up something that I thought was really neat, uh, which is the flashback for Kaiomi, uh, where we learn what the big deal was. And it turns out it wasn't a big deal after all, really. They found a, a bag of money. Um, and they took it to the beach. Uh, where this money came from, it could be drugs, it could be anything. Who knows? It's not relevant. What is relevant is this, though. There is the speculation offered at that point, I think by uh, the supervisor lady, that it's fake. It could be, it's just fake money. Yeah. And there's something kind of genius about that revelation, in my opinion, uh, for this, for the way it, like, illuminates Kyobi's relationship with her, because, um, the uh, Diner Striker, I think it was. That's the car, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Diner Car, Diner Striker. Uh, it's it actually like flies into the cash and causes it to fly into the air. And the younger Kaiomi uh, is jumping up to grab it like it's the crystal fucking maze. He's desperate to get a hold of this money. But I love how that seemed to be like a visual metaphor for him, like trying to grasp onto his relationship with her and also showing the value of it to him the genuine value to it which is to say non-existent yeah oh i completely different read on that scene same do tell um so the i think the point of that scene is like he had it in his head this whole time by the way i love it where um he first of all when we see that scene it's finally not through like the crt vision that we've been watching it through this whole time um, it's yeah. just like natural lighting, like it's like it's finally the way it actually was, rather than his like badly recorded impression of it. Um, it has a very mild film grain swear, at least what seemed like mm-hmm. film grain. But otherwise, yeah, um, yeah, all of them do because it's in the past, and that's just what you do. Uh, just, just, just like in Metal Gear Solid Free Snakey. So. Thank you, thank you. Um, ah, yeah, I was turning that round on you. Sorry, um, I had to get that uh, at least once. But do do continue, right? Um, and then uh, the you get the like the screen the smudge of him like running away, and it freezes like a half second. It's like, oh right, I fucked this up. This is the exact moment I fucked this up. It's not happening this time. I am, and in his head, he, like this whole time, it's like, oh, if only I had the money. Like if only I was like this sort of person, I could have made this work. If only I'd made a different decision. If only I had um, 
been that type of person I was not. When the thing that happens at the end of this is the money never mattered to her. She just wanted to hang out with this with him. Uh, she's just laughing and having a great mm-hmm. time, and she wanted to have an adventure. She she found a bag of money, and he was the person she told. Uh, mm-hmm. Because she wanted to have the adventure with him. Like, it, it never mattered if it was money or whatever. And the and him, like, seeing her just laugh, just, just having a great time with him because, like, that's, like, that's just the thing that you're doing. And even if the money's gone, makes him realize that how badly he's misjudged the situation this whole time. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a fair interpretation, I think. Um, that, yeah, he's aiming... I, I mean, the way I saw it, like, was that it was his relationship with her that was fake. But now that you've said that, like, I can recontextualize it as the fake element was the money, not just in the sense of it being a fake object itself, but something of, like, fake value in, like, you know, how he was relating to her. Like, it wasn't the important element of why they were hanging out. It was just their company that was, that mattered. It was a means to an end for her. Yes. To get this idiot kid to spend time with her that she liked. Because... Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was like the only way that she saw to actually uh, get him in which also was... like uh sorry go ahead. Uh, no, uh, no, which no, also go ahead. like makes the um like the um them reconnecting so funny because she's like oh here's the guy who like never responded to any of him like there's no way he's interested so like it doesn't even occur to her that that's how he sees her yeah also she's quite well off now in a literal sense so the can, the context of money still comes back as well uh, if if she looked at a bag of money and was like the money never mattered she was already well off fair <laughs> fair <laughs> but rather it just reinforces like the concept it's just a different way of like having money come back in the context of their new encounters as well mm-hmm. as their old as well so it parallels that together it's like the show was written really fucking well it's pretty good i like i like Right, uh, do you gentlemen have any other talking points to chuck into the pot? Um, oh, let me see here. Um, I, I did really enjoy the scene where Minami and Yamogi visit Kano's grave. Um, yeah. I, I think it was good closure for Minami, and I, I think it also really demonstrated just how far their relationship had come, that she you know, trusted him with such an important uh, thing. And you know, weirdly enough, uh, in most in most fiction, uh, visiting your uh, dead sister's grave would be a, a pretty sad affair. But it was actually a pretty uh, t- felt to me a pretty cathartic thing for both of those characters to go mm. through. Especially since Minami at the beginning of that scene said that it it had been a while since since she had been there, and in fact, it might have been the first time basically that she had been there since she had died. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the so, impression I got. Yeah, uh, for I, them to go and essentially clean, you know, clean, ri- ritualistically clean her grave, which is, a, you know, a, a thing that they do over there. Um, I think it was, yeah, it was just a really nice scene. Um, and, uh, yeah, a lot less sad than it could have been, I guess. Uh, I love the note that Yomogi doesn't know how to do it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yomogi hasn't had anyone in his life, like, die like that, that he had to Which go- is yeah which is weird because it also that instantly gives you an answer as to where his dad is in the picture um so i actually know that his dad shows up in one of the radio uh thingies oh um interesting that's interesting i didn't even know there was a radio play uh there's there's like there's 
apparently there's like a bunch of like bonus audio dramas that are all like three minutes long at the end of um f- for the end of each episode hmm. um no huge revelations or anything like that just like little character bits so basically so he's it, just got a they've just divorced her, like his death uh, yeah, yeah in absentia divorced father yeah. Um, I also love that Yomoki is the one who like breaks out of the um the dream sequence the earliest because his like shit doesn't matter like oh yeah I don't really like my new uh, stepfather that much uh whatever get back to yeah. my back to my girlfriend <laughs> but I, I mean that I mean that's it like the the stepfather issue has been afforded as much time as ultimately is actually relevant to him as a character like it's popped up here and there very occasionally. Uh, so it's been the most background of like character dramas relative to the other cast members, uh, and that actually then like gives it like a correlation, like or a correlate between like how much it actually matters to him. So again, nice one part, nice one the show's part there for doing that. Yeah, um, like by the sorry, oh no, it, like it's kind of weird and it kind of sucks, and he's probably dealing with it like worse than he should be, but as well as can be expected from a teen boy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I um, can confirm that it sucks. As a person with divorced parents, it it sucks, and I'll he's probably not. As well. He's not. Yeah, de- he's not uh, dealing with it as well as he could be. But that is also the syndrome of the main character. Uh, mm. You know, sacrificing a bit of their own happiness for the others around them, or learning to. Hmm. One one thing, by the way, that I was not expecting to recall was when Yabogi like starts getting injured through shattering all the glass walls between like him and his friends it's such a good look for him it's it it was but like the thing it reminded me of and and this is obviously not like the same in terms of like you know what this other work is about but it reminded me of what happened in video girl i the ending scene in which like he's climbing the the stairs of glass because it's a because the glass like cutting him is in that show and in this is a metaphor of course of pain it just happens not to be his own pain but rather the pain of his friends um, I've never seen that, so I'll take your word for yeah, it. Yeah, I was about to say, is a video girl <laughs> fucking eye something we've all expected to see now? Is that is that the uh, was well, I if you want to, well, well, if that you want us to watch it, cover it for the cover it for the Patreon, then sign up now and get yourself like you know involved. Eye fans out there, uh, video girl eye does have a oh, fucking banger of an op though. I know that much. Maybe we should cover it someday. I'm just gonna say that now. But uh, yeah, I, I know of it, and I know like of that particular scene where they're going up the, where he goes up the stairs. And it's just shattering glass that like wounds him, and it's much the same in a sense as what happens with uh, Yabogi, where again, being injured by the glass is a metaphor for the pain, like of of memories or like you know of of emotional suffering. Just in this case, in uh, for Yabogi, it is his friends that's that's happening with that, that's causing that pain. Like he's taking on their pain. Um, yeah. Now he. Uh... Him being like, Dinah Soldier, show me the way. I, I have put my faith into this toy robot. Uh, uh, if, if, ever, my being. If, if ever you needed like confirmation that the robots were just like the ways in which these characters make their wills manifest, then Yabogi like doing the like, you know, summoning like the summoning sequence himself with yeah, Dinah Soldier. He becomes the hand. Ultraman. <laughs> he does, yes, he does. And it's great. Um, they give he... him the little triple triple zoom in. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, he sequence. He, yeah. He takes the robot and he slams it against reality until he can help his friends, like until he connects to them. Yeah. It's great. I definitely um, laughed also at the end of episode 12 where he 
finally admits that Dinah Soldier looks pretty cool, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he says something to that effect. I thought that was uh, very funny. And I'm actually also super surprised that Minami didn't give him a massive amount of shit for it. Uh, because she thinks it also because because Minami also thinks it's extremely cool now. She also thinks the robots are cool. Yeah, she <laughs> can't talk. That's fair. You, you know, I also love like when the this like the, these obviously look like toys, and indeed in the OP they're framed as such. Like you know, when they're amongst like all the other mundane items like food or whatever. And there's that moment in which like uh, Yamogi's like, okay, I'm going to try and use my instance domination on the kaiju to like you know disrupt it, and Dinah Soldier just pops off Grid Knight's sold- shoulder like a spring-loaded like missile that you find on a toy. It's just yeah. completely straight, Ramos straight, and it just flies towards him like that. I thought, that's great. I love this it. This is in line with Trigger's whole thing when it comes to um, like mecha and stuff of that ilk, because uh, I've been to m- multiple panels with Imaishi at AX and, and other places where he has straight up said that they like um, they're like, I guess you could probably consider the, the, them like toy literalists when it comes to like animating these things where like, especially in the original, um, the like animator expo short that they did for, um, for Gridman, like that kind of set this whole thing off. Um, a lot of the transformation sequences, you can see when like parts are flipping around and stuff, you could just see like screws in the back of them and like mm. seams specifically drawn on them. Like they literally you know draw these things like toys i don't really know if it's just like an in joke with them or if it's just something studio-wide that they they have like committed to doing but like you see it in this series too there there are just like certain moments where you can just tell like oh yeah this is like something like the dinosaur on toy would do only it's like massive like multi-stories <laughs> tall <laughs> and uh yeah i mean i know that specifically that is that is specifically an amaishi thing that he's done like basically his entire career is like mm. you know purposefully including like very toy like um characteristics into like shit that is very clearly not an actual toy i i can um, totally as someone who owned like uh the power rangers megazord toy when i was younger so obviously it could all like combine together yeah. i can totally imagine in my brain uh the 80s like advertisement for the dinosaur toy line where you've just got oh, like God, kids yeah. pushing it around like they're pushing around dino diver and like it's underwater, so it's actually behind a fish tank because, of course, they can't submerge it in water. It's yeah. not suitable for that. That kind of trickery. I can totally see it. But again, like to go back to what I've said on the previous podcast, like this show overall has done an amazing job of invoking that big kid feeling where, you know, like you can enjoy like all the character drama, all the subtle animation, all the little story bunnies, all the all the like visual elements. But there are times where you just watch like all the like all the stuff we talked about with the fights, and you're just like, I just feel like I'm fucking young again. It's great. Yeah, I felt like my hair came back. Well, and then let's also not pretend as if they're not going to sell millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of actual toys based on this show because they've already. Well, how could they? I mean, that's a gold mine right there. Yeah, I mean, I've already seen multiple, like you know, fully transformable, fully combinable Dinazenon like multiple piece, you know, toy lines. I mean, it's you know, it's 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 co-produced by Tsuburaya, so they already have like a massive massive oh. pipeline for producing toys kaiser so. kaiser kaiser grid knight is just an excuse to print money um yeah uh, i, well, I can tell you one thing that, they will uh, be getting a all right sorry uh the kaiser grid knight i think is too much uh i love i love how a toyetic dinosaur looks but that, then they make it look more toyetic and I'm like yeah okay um but that cape is very sick the laser cape is the coolest thing in the world i can't agree with you. the laser cape 
the can't laser agree with you. Fucking... Kaiser Grid Knight is the coolest thing ever. And also the guy that designed it also designed Mazin Kaiser. Uh, so that is clearly a reference, and I enjoy that. Ah, very good, very good. Yeah. Um, right, uh, anything else sad, chaps? Any other uh, specific things you want? How long do you want me to talk? Because I have been sitting on, like, a fucking... So let me do the thing that I go do on, on go, the show go. a lot, um, which is um, start a diatribe by asking a question. Hit me. Um, what do you all think of the kaiju eugenicists? Uh, um, ooh, I- I've already well, said enough on them, I think, I, on the previous episodes of the show. If I hadn't already been on three other episodes of the show talking about this show, I probably would talk more about it. But I think I think I'll just repeat this not being three hours long. Yeah, I'll, I'll repeat what I've said before, which is because I think my conclusion still remains the same even at the end, which is. I like them in the sense that they have like a very different, like, you know, that we have season we talking like about how people are trapped by connections and all that. And that indeed that the eugenicists are at their best when they are working together mm-hmm. and also like, you know, having just having a good time. Um, and indeed that's proven true by this final episode where although they don't necessarily do it in the most enthusiastic way, they do all join together in Suzumu's Kaiju, even if he does eat them. Uh, whoops. Um, but I find like their overall goals still a bit spurious, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, um, Juga, I think his name is like. He's like, I'm gonna go just go kill humans. Like, okay, why? Uh, uh, like, what's what's the like? They say they want to make a world where kaiju can like be a thing or something like that, and that has never been concretely established. And I'm gonna just say very quickly as well. When I say that. I'm not saying that the show needs to do that. If anything, it could do the opposite where their goals are never established. Like that thing is never mentioned because it kind of sits in the weird in between for me where I'm not, and maybe this is just me. I mean, Alex, you may very well be able to enlighten me on this, like where that agenda, like, you know, shouldn't be mentioned at all because I don't need to know it. Like, we get enough with them, like, interacting, like, when they go bowling. That's fun in its own right. We have their interactions with the group. Mujina and um, Koyomi, for example... Although that also felt tiny little bit undercooked for my taste, but anyway, that doesn't matter. It's, it wasn't a big deal in the grand scheme of things for me. Um, but yeah, like I thought that their overall like purpose and what they were planning to do and why they were planning to do it was very vague to the point where if they hadn't mentioned it, I'd probably be happy with it because again, I know they're the bad guys. I don't need to have like, you know, a deeper explanation of that necessarily. Right. I think there is also like a throwaway line that Shizumu has in the very last episode where he reiterates this idea that kaiju's kaiju and their motivations are like fundamentally like not understandable by humans. Uh, and I wonder if that's like a way of the show telling us that like yeah, you were not meant to like ever understand the motivations of the kaiju eugenicists. So uh, I don't know if that's a little bit of a meta commentary going on there, but yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly with everything you just said, Shadon. Yeah, no, uh, uh, I just, uh, uh, I mean, I wanted this on the table. And I also want to know if there was like any changes in the last couple of episodes um, for your feelings on the matter. Uh, because nope. I think I think two crucial things. One um, is that uh, a lot of I think that uh, this show plays of ambiguity like f- fabulously well. Um, um, like it's really hard to get people to believe like certain thing like feel they've read between the lines about characters and then have the point being that no, there weren't any lines to read between. There's just the lines. Um, like with Kano, yeah. um, 
uh, and uh, the other backstories. Um, I also think that some of the time this show is vague when it's think it's being ambiguous. Mm. Um, like with uh, with Chise especially, um, who like just um, like gets very potent character moments, but they're um, doesn't get like any of the specific things that allow us to um, that that make her especially memorable um, other than her like over character interactions and like oh yeah no I also have anxiety about how I fit into a friend group yeah um, um, if I may interrupt just sure. a second Alex just to add something to that point that you just brought up there um, I recall uh, that we mentioned earlier about what was happening uh, with Yume and her sister where and also just in general where with also um, Kaomi where it's not necessarily the objective truth of what happens that is important as it is in real life uh, you know, it's our perception of it that matters. Um, and indeed, you you said like you know about how Ki- like um, Kaomi's life thing turned out to not be a big deal, but he felt it was. He felt it was important. It weighed his life down, and that's not something that we can trivialize or just say. Well, he was you know wrong to think that. Um, and so, in turn, would she say, like, I'm not saying uh, uh, that her perception of what's gone wrong is inaccurate, but as you rightly point out, like there's a difference between being vague and being ambiguous. And it is too vague as to what exactly set that off. Like a little bit more, I think was needed to flesh her out, as you say. And Uh, the thing is that affords, that affords opportunities by providing parallels with the other characters as well. mm -hmm. Uh, With Kaomi, with Yume, for example, where they have perceptions of things that have happened to them in the past versus the reality and then they come to reconcile these two. But what actually happened to Chise, uh, in reality and both in her perceptions, is too thin on the ground, in my opinion. Um, yeah, and I think that it, I think it becomes very complicated with the kaiju eugenesis because all the fact that they're like vague and um, like talking in like the biggest anime stereotypes about things is part of the point because they're just full of shit like they're completely Mm. um they're completely uh alienated from society um they want to take it out on uh uh, they've all become the joker um yep uh uh, and they want to take it out and they're sort of like post facts uh giving sort of justifications to it when all they um, all they want is to uh yeah just enacts uh their whims on the world and yeah. the, we... and and i think it does um like a pretty good job in um like f- making those things making the um, the eugenicists distinct from each other and making them like sort of pathetic in each their own way um mm-hmm. but uh uh they're the problem is like there's so much screen time given to um their justifications yeah um when the um when the show themselves when, when the show itself thinks that those justifications don't even matter when we yeah you get you're, you're right insight into them instead you're 100% right, because I think that's part of the reason I might have got hung up on it as I did, because 
it's not just a question of what they say that's important, but as you rightly point out, how much uh, importance the show affords them through the amount of screen time it gives. And you are also absolutely right in saying that that time could have been spent elsewhere. It might not even necessarily have been spent on them if you look at look at very strictly in a minutes and seconds kind of way. It could have gone to Chise, for example. Mm-hmm. That that kind of thing. So I'm a hundred percent on board with your line of thinking there. Um, and I do think like they'd have like generally speaking a really tragic, uh, both both a tragic and a. Um, a very pointed lack of tragedy to them like they've these are people who have come back from the dead 5000 years later and they have all decided to make exactly the same mistakes over and over again yeah um, they were like uh, we uh, we uh, metal gear solid protagonists have been uh, used by our country um, be it because if there's it, it because when you are an alienated um, a youth your two options are either to become the joker or to go into the army um oh, gosh. and so uh, uh and so they were used and they were like now this is bad and we're gonna take it out and instead of and then they spent the entire show being like pretty good friends like hanging out going to the movies all that yeah sort of stuff. That, that, that that's it yeah because like that's part of the tragic element of it in that they were this close to realizing it because no, the only is the like fact that they went out and had a good time, like good in of itself. Like it has its own intrinsic value that they had, like you know, fun enjoying like the movies, enjoying the bowling alley with Mujin's amazing like pose, or of course the earlier episode in the water park where they had a good time there. That holds its own value, but again, because kaiju are the big metaphors for emotions, like the kaiju are stronger when they're working together, when they're supporting each other, like when Grid Knight arrives in the earlier episodes and they start bitching at each other because they feel like they're fucking up now that he's coming and throwing a spanner in the works, that's when things go downhill. But up until that point, they were like, you know, tossing around Dino Xenon like a ragdoll. Um, they were that close to realizing. No, like, they, they, they failed the Mario Kata test. They didn't realize that the real, that the real kaiju, the real signature to save a soul was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> um, um and uh man the way kaiju are used as a metaphor in this show is so interesting because okay so the kaiju eugenesis are basically the alt-right <laughs> uh, yes um they're disaffected millennials who are um sort of proxy because because they they have othered themselves from their own emotions are able to use emotions in like this general abstract sense to enforce their will on the public um they yep. have uh, they have just completely broken down as human beings but because of that are able to uh steer human beings in a certain way or at least the public will quote unquote slash kaiju Mm-hmm. Um, and the more you become the Joker, the more you are freed from society, and the better able you're used able to use kaiju, which is why Yomogi was pretty good at it because he was also uh, like, I don't need people. I have a part time job, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm cool and detached actually. Um, I mean, Mujinir was at the top stairs, uh, top of a set of stairs. It, we were this close to having a dance down them just for a laugh. Yeah, I'm telling you. Um. And um, I think the 
thing this show does uh, a thing this show does well with them is that um, they're just a little bit right. They're just enough right that you can sort of see the appeal because the kaiju does like eliminate time and space, and um, it gives these characters these like huge cathartic moments, which they couldn't have done without stepping outside of the bonds of society. And she say was probably right. That middle school did probably just suck. Um, uh, yep. She she should just get to wear whatever she wants and wear a tattoo and whatever. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and um, I don't know it's so fucking funny to see Shizumu just um, uh, be the most emotionally aware while also being the most dis- like he ba- he puppets he's himself. dead inside he puppets himself as a kaiju is the thing yep. he does at the end of that show because he he's he he has so com- he is so completely alienated that he doesn't even have a relationship with himself anymore yep absolutely um there is one final thing i'll add separately from all of this by the way that i was going to bring up before which is and this is going to be a defense of Dino Zen on the show, but a mild criticism of the whole universe thing. Because funnily enough, like, and Mark, you can probably quote me on this or like call me out on this. Like, mm-hmm. Grid Knight arriving in the show was hype. Don't get me wrong. That was great. We were like, Grid oh, sh- yes, Grid Knight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Grid Knight arriving in the show was hype as fuck. We were like, oh, shit. Things just got real. But now that I look back on the show, like, he's actually probably the least interesting, like, of the protagonists that we get. And the reason I say that is, yes, there are references to his previous time when he was, like, in how old he was in Gridman, him being a garbage diver, you know, all that sort of stuff. But his arc was concluded uh, with Gridman the show. Now, fair enough, you might say. My argument would then be, can that not be this jumping off point for something new to be done with him? Because... He appears in the show and he fights and the fights are great and he's good fun to have around. We've talked about the comedy scene, for example, where he bangs his sword on the stairs and like he has the he says like who are you again to you know Kaiomi when he has his hair cut. But he doesn't have any of the same like he had never uh, he doesn't really have a journey in this show like the other characters do, in my opinion. Now that's not a big deal because ultimately I want the show to be about the Dino Xenon characters because it's their show. You know, I don't want Grid Knight coming in and stealing the limelight both in terms of being the guy who does all the good, like, the, the cool fighting, uh, relatively speaking, and also then having, like, the bulk of the emotional, like, arc or the character development. But I wish there was also kind of just something there to work with as well. Now, say, not a big deal in the grand scheme of things, but just something I thought was worth noting. I think, to be fair, he's pretty much only there to tie the show into the greater gridman universe mm. and i think that's telling considering that the last scene that we get in this show is him and anosilus bringing dinosaur on into into the computer world um mm. and so they're the last ones that we see as sort of a transition into whatever yeah. the hell Gridman. and he's, he's just staring out over yes. the computer land and he just says with a little bit of resignation to himself what a fucking dump uh, I also like, I mean, I, I like that he's there because it's nice to, for Galma to have friends who doesn't pilot a robot with. Um, <laughs> but you say that, like, I think he... with Galma is pretty great. It's yeah, great, yeah. I, I do enjoy Of course, that. he does then become a giant robot with him, so that gets messy. But uh, we, we've all had relationships that become work relationships despite our best efforts. Yeah, um, I mean, I've, I've had relationships as well where they've turned into giant robots and nearly stepped on me, and that's not what I was asking for, I'll tell you that. 
Well, um, um, read that however you wish. Yeah. Um, no, and um, and it's nice just to see Anti. It's nice when you see a character like show up again and they've got their shit together. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and um, also that the, like they're older too because as we know it is very hard to be an anime character and also age appropriately uh oh, so God. that was yeah. that, that was nice yeah thank you dino Zedon, for doing that i'm hoping uh, that's what we get with chisei next season i'd love to see a grown-up chisei That'd oh be great. god that sounds great as long as she's not who is important and not in that outfit that'd well be nice. yeah obviously that, you are you two are too hung up on that outfit it's weird how uh, how much you talk she, about that she, outfit she, she's I, hung I, up on that outfit it's the only thing that's holding it up <laughs> i mean it's clearly a thing that a dumb preteen would would wear especially yeah. if she clearly does not have any parental supervision like chise definitely does let not. her wear what she wants uh, you're part you're the bullies <laughs> you've you've no. chased her out of this middle school she's like 12 years old <laughs> Where are her parents? Um, I, 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 well, her aunt is here. And that's Overseas. Overseas. That's that's yeah. the go-to excuse for this sort of fiction. Um, yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, uh, do we have anything else to add, gentlemen? Uh, final shout-out to the sound design. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, final shout-out for me to Shiro Sigisu, the absolute goat. Um definitely once again uh had a few moments that reminded me uh in, in these last couple episodes just how good he is at adding atmosphere to something that uh with anybody else would have been an extremely different show um and also yeah just shout out to them uh, doing a much better job of implementing his score in dinosaur on that i thought that they did in gridman um that was honestly one of maybe my only real big complaint about Gridman is that I thought that they had a really great uh, score there that they used extremely little and extremely sparingly and not particularly well. Uh, This time around, they used it damn near perfectly. Um, And I honestly just liked the product more uh, that, that Siggy Sue delivered this time around. Um, Call me uh, uh, an Evangelion fanboy. There were definitely certain moments in this show that I felt like he was aping directly off of his previous work with Evangelion, especially with the sort of uh, spooky piano music that he likes to put in. Um, but uh, yeah, he it was just a really fantastic job uh, all around there. And I hope that he continues to uh, keep scoring this stuff because it's just, uh, it's made leaps and bounds better Uh by his presence on this on the staff here so yeah shout out to shira sagisu the only man brave enough to use the same battle theme across multiple unrelated franchises Uh, which he stole (laughs) from a james bond movie yeah there you go um but uh stealing it's called an homage people accuse yoko kano of the same thing but they're all wrong uh, i'm not saying that as an indictment like i don't care it's good it works it works Um, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, no, Shirosugisu has uh, 12 versions of the same theme in this show, and every time it rules. Yep, it's Damn fantastic. fucking right, it does. Just like um, he does with everything. Yeah. Um, uh, and then when you wait 12 minutes into an episode for like that first piano sting, and the piano starts, and you're like, fuck yes, this is the moment, then, then you feel good. Um, mm. um, 
How have we gotten through this whole episode without mentioning the part where people just fucking disappear in the start of 10? Oh, Jesus, God, you're right. I, like... I, th- I might have said this a little bit about the Kaiju before. I know you said like they had Photoshop powers, but I, generally speaking, um, I'm pretty much on board with the way the Kaiju's powers work and they, they don't, f- like, they feel sometimes a little understated uh, and that works for me. Like, or they feel very comprehensible, uh, if that makes any sense. And so oh. this one here, like, you just literally have people disappearing but left with, like, silhouettes or shadows left behind. Uh, Hiroshima and- shadows. <laughs> yeah, oh shit, you're right. Yeah, it's, I it's really galling. wondered how much of a. I feel like if this this was made in the eighties, everybody would have been like, "Oh man, nuclear war allegory." But also, that could have been like a double meta commentary on like the fact that like none of this shit would exist without Godzilla, which was also itself a commentary on nuclear yep. war. So, yeah, who knows? Still, yeah, cool. It's still haunting, though. Just a very cool, very cool, very haunting. Uh, I wish I could put on glasses while I say it, so I could make fun of myself while I say the following. Um, it's actually a commentary on how when people die, they disappear, but a um, but an unsatisfying part of them will always remain. <laughs> Ooh, oh, there you go. Wow, wow, but. I mean, like, yeah, just there's, there's not even any fanfare when people disappear. Like, there's no like special effects. Like, no uh, sound. Kyomi's They're just, just gone. Yeah, Kyomi's just like like just there in a the scene on the left hand side, and then with no warning beyond Funimation's fucking subtitles. Thanks for that. Um, like, they just go. He just he's just gone. He's just gone. Be like if I just turned off like one of your webcam feeds right now. It's just that simple, and with no fanfare to it, and it's great. It's petrifying. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> it's really <laughs> creepy. But yeah, I think the shadows are definitely my favorite part about that whole sequence. Yeah, that, that's really great. Um, that, that that episode has like six different visual motifs, and all of them rule. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Right. Uh, do we have anything else we want to address about these episodes? Anything else we want to bring up? Uh, Goldburn is the best friend we've ever had. Yeah. Yeah. We all need a Goldburn, Goldburn in our lives. I'm glad he's sticking around. Hopefully. He flew in yep. a computer world with Dinozana. We didn't see him there, but I'm assuming he's flying around in there somewhere. So. He's having a grand old time. Here's the Goldburn. Oh, final note. Yeah. Um, the people are definitely going to think that Minami and Yomugi's scars were made on purpose to match each other, which is going to be very intense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know I've heard like about not getting tattoos of like you know your girlfriend or your partner's names uh, because the average relationship lasts nowhere near as long as a tattoo does, but that's going to the next fucking level, isn't it? It really yeah, is. Yeah, they they show up to school and they're like, "Damn, it's like that." <laughs> yep. And there's you. And of course, the scars. Like you know, Galma has his. Uh, they have theirs, and Kaomi has his, and that's the four S's. Those are their scars. Chise their has bonds. a tattoo. Uh, yeah. Kiz Niver season two, tattoo, which is its own. No, kind of scar. no, no. <laughs> this time there's robots. <laughs> don't don't make me exercise my like you know my admin privilege on this stream, uh, like. You only silence me because I speak the truth. I mean, you know, like how we were just talking about like people disappearing and only being left with shadows. Don't make me do that, man. Don't make me do it. <laughs> All right. Um, 
Well, um, if we have nothing else to add, then we'll bring this episode, we'll bring this stream to a conclusion. Uh, so, what I want to firstly say is I want to thank you both for joining me uh, and helping out. Uh, Mark, you've been a constant present all, presence all the way through, um, and it's been hugely appreciated having you along here, both when Doc's been here and when he's not been. Um, this it has been my dis- pleasure, man. This discussion is- has been immensely enriched by having you here all the way through it. Uh, so I want to thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart for that. And Alex, having you along is always a delight, always a pleasure. Uh, there's always a place here on the podcast if you ever want to join us to chat about anything that we might be covering. Um, so thank you in turn for offering to come along and join us for this uh, for this final batch of uh, Diner Zenon episodes. Um, so yeah, um, before we get to rating the episodes then, Alex, you mentioned something about all the media matters.com. Just want to very quickly plug that for our audience. Uh, yeah, no, I haven't written anything there in a while because I've been busy either finding or having a job. Um, but uh, uh, I, uh, I did write some good words on anime, including uh, Gunbuster and even Gelden, which if you like Dinozen on, uh, you probably like those shows. And Oh, you, uh, yeah. If you've managed to endure checks notes two hours of me talking about this show uh you probably <laughs> like what i've written about those shows so yeah that's uh all the media matters at wordpress.com oh definitely worth checking out i mean just because you they haven't, they haven't you haven't written anything well doesn't mean those like all those old like articles like are out of date or anything you know like they're still worth definitely worth reading so give them a look and mark uh from you if i could just ask like so tell us about like what you do for like ono anime and like i think you've been doing like dj sets as well if i recall correctly yeah that's less <laughs> less ono anime more than just me just kind of uh uh doing it uh much in the same way i do with podcasts which is like whoever will have me i will gladly go on their thing and, and do a dj set or whatever fair but, play fair uh, play. I, I will i will definitely be posting anytime i do that uh on the uh ono anime uh twitter which is i think just twitter.com slash ono anime but uh ono anime dot moe is where you can find uh like basically all it'll just take you to a page with all of our links but um I mentioned a few times in the past, I'm definitely still working on that uh, uh, new video I'm making about VTubers. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. I finished the script, I have recorded the audio, and now I have to just edit the video, and I'm hoping to have it done by the end of this weekend, which is more progress than I have made on a thing th- than I have done in the entire pandemic, basically since back to 2019. So I'm extremely hey, excited. Look forward fair. to that. You can find it on the website when it goes up. Uh, and yeah, I appreciate we'll, it. We'll we'll be signaling signal boosting that as well, of course. So if you're uh, you know following Warrior Desho on Twitter, you'll be able to see that there when it comes out. Right then, uh, so let's round this up by talking very quickly about like rating the episodes, how we felt about them overall. So uh, because this is the last uh, podcast on Diner Zenon, uh, I'm going to ask you both to rate this block of episodes and then rate the show as a whole on a scale of 1 to 5, and of course you can throw in something amusing at the end of the score if you wish, uh, and just give some very brief thoughts by So, with that in mind, Alex! Uh, I'm pointing to the left, but I've realised Alex is actually down here. <laughs> yeah, um, he's down there. He's down there. So, uh, go right ahead, my friend. Uh, I want to rate these uh, these episodes um, uh, four and a half. Um, you've already used laser capes, I can't use laser capes. Um... Uh, a four and a half um, uh, upsetting death metaphors out of five um, <laughs> and uh, this show uh, uh, I'm stuck between four and four and a half um, but I think I'm going to go four and a half 4.25 then uh, 
the kaiju users who the, the New York Times would write a 2016 think piece about. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Let's pray that never happens. Out of five. I mean, the, New York Times, the, the New York Times, like, I mean... They're not, uh, they've not done great on headlines as of late. Uh, Gamma is the point two five in this metaphor, so it p- works perfectly. Yeah. What, what, a, what a bro. What a bro. Um, <laughs> Mark, you're over in this direction. Uh, I don't know if ever that's true geographically, but on the stream you are, so please do give your uh, thoughts. Um, so, yeah, I absolutely adored these last episodes, and I'm completely content giving them five out of five uh, Dyna Diver Rockets. Um, and, uh, as far as the overall show goes, yeah, I, I definitely probably would give it a four and a half out of five. Really my only, uh, my only gripe is, you know, the sort of weird ambiguity with the, with the Kaiju users. Um, but, and you know, some other extremely small things that, that probably were left out for, for, for time or whatever reason, or because they will be mentioned in the sequel series. Um, Yeah. Uh, honestly, I was thinking about this today. I cannot remember the last time an anime made me like feel in like a depth of feeling kind of way, the same way that the show did. Certainly with Trigger, it has not been since Kill a Kill, which is really the thing that got me like back into anime in a big way. Uh, and basically the whole reason why I'm sitting here with y'all right now talking about anime. And well, thank God it, thank God it did that. Um, uh, fair yeah. play to it. So Zenon, you did it. You made me... You made you you broke through the ice around my heart. You made me feel again in a way that uh, mm-hmm. anime has not done in a, in quite a while. So, good job. Four and a half out of five. Uh, good feelings. That that'll oh. do. Then that'll do. Ah, <laughs> um, for me, I'm gonna actually go a little off script here and just mention that I want to give uh, episode ten specifically alone. If I was to rate it as a standalone thing, the full five out of five. That's a, that's an episode in my opinion that you could teach people with how to make fucking anime with all time good just, episode. <laughs> Yeah, all yeah. time, like all round, pretty brilliant, uh, rock solid script. Like I've said so many times in the past, like that I'm not an animation kind of guy. I'll recognize and praise it where I spot it, but I fucking uh, love it when a script is just pitch fucking perfect for the material it, uh, it, that it occupies for like what they're trying to accomplish. Um, for the block of episodes itself, I will ultimately give them uh, four point five uh, fake bags of money throwing around, fl- flying around in the air. Um, and for the f- actual show itself, I will also give it uh, 4.5 um, giant kaiju dragons that turn into shields, because why the fuck not? Um, my overall thoughts are like that I, I remember, I think that's like when I watched Gridman and I gave up on that show uh, because I was a moron, let's be fair here. And then I went back and I really, really enjoyed it in the end. And I'm so glad I did because now I gave this the, sh- the shot it deserved. And Dino Zenon is a brilliant complementary entry to this to Gridman, uh, but it has it stands on its own as well. I think if you've never seen Gridman, like the way it's structured is actually kind of great in making you want to go back and check that series out. Um, it completely justifies uh, the whole Gridman universe concept because you and I discussed this previously, Mark, about the idea of like shared universe in fiction, how they can just be cynical money grubbing like you know enterprises. And let's be fair. It is still a, a, a you know it, it is still done with the aim of like you know cultivating profit and all that because that's what it's for really. That's why but, any almost any anime is made nowadays. Exactly, so an unfortunate fact about the industry. 
Yeah, but thankfully this is one of those cases where I feel like it is also justified in, you know, existing for the art's sake as well, along with that, um, which is certainly worthwhile. Uh, it's a phenomenally well-rounded show. Uh, it's funny. The action is great. It's heartwarming. It's touching. It's tragic. Everything that it chooses to tackle, it does well. I wouldn't say, like, it's better than, like, some other stuff I've seen in very specific areas. Like, I wouldn't call, like, the stuff with, like, um, Kano, uh, Kano, for example, um, better than the equivalent material in Wonder Egg Priority. But the thing about Wonder Egg Priority is it was deeply focused on that specific stuff, whereas this was one story of many in Dinozenon, and it still tackled it really well. And that's the final thing I'll also mention about why Dinozenon is fantastic, in that it spins a lot of fucking plates. There's a lot of characters to deal with already. I mean, in Gridman, we had, like, two, three, really. Whereas here, like, there's four, five. And then there's all the eugenicists as well. Um, and while my nitpicks are that I wish some of them were more fleshed out, uh, ultimately, that's all they are. They are nitpicks. It still does great in balancing its time and giving us all the great, like, you know, big robot action that that's just a joy to watch along with the, you know, the quieter character moments that hit just as hard. Um, so yeah, phenomenal show all around. Uh, the only things it's missing are just, I think what could have been solved with the benefit of more time. But then again, also maybe it might have diluted itself in the end, pretty damn spectacular show. Uh, one of the best things I've seen all year, probably going to be easily in my top, free i'd say of the stuff i'm going to watch all year long unless something comes along and blows out of the water which i find difficult to believe will happen at this point ha- who having knows taken though? a who look knows? at what next season looks like uh while we were recording this uh i doubt that will happen next season <laughs> well this season has been stacked let's be fair yeah this, this season has been, been kind of been unfair this season has been like a, a how do we call it like a a a, a, like a multitude of riches or whatever the phrase an is embarrassment it's, of riches yeah that's the one thank you i, I was i was going to complete blank <laughs> and, on that and, one. and as minami said at the end of this show sometimes it's good to be embarrassed i'm okay with it. i mean that's why i do there this podcast <laughs> there you go uh but anyway yeah <laughs> i i overall really enjoyed my time uh with dinosaur on absolutely loved it week on week right that brings us to the end of the podcast in that case then um i'll very quickly just also shout out again our patreon which is patreon.com forward slash show you want to chip in some cash to help us finance our little you know like uh z-list anime podcast keep the lights on all that keep me in alcohol okay maybe not that so much please feel free to do so patreon.com forward slash show plenty of benefits in there it'll also get you access to our community and there's tons of wonderful people in there um, who in turn have also contributed to our discussions about Dan and with their patron questions uh, i want to thank you all for throwing those in um we don't currently know what we'll be back with next season for stream of four which is for everyone of course uh as soon as we know we will let you know and if you want to be up to date on that Follow us at Warideshu on Twitter. Follow us on YouTube. Follow us on all the places. Just don't follow me in person. Please don't. Uh, get on all that good stuff. Um, and again, to Alex and Mark, thank you both so much for joining me this evening um, and contributing your thoughts, your banter, uh, your wit. Um, it's an infinitely better show for as a result, in my opinion. But other than that, going to wrap up, call it a night. Everyone, take care. Stay safe. Look after yourselves. Look after your loved ones. And as we say on the podcast... Embrace you, everyone. See you in the universe. Good night. Thank you. Good night. Night, guys.